0: racing NASCAR race review and joining me for our show tonight is our co-host Jay Hirschman. welcome to the show Jay
1: thanks uh, a little bit different here again I think a Tuesday night isn't what we've done so far this year but we're going to encompass it all right it's 2020 yes we are
0: <laughs> trying to uh, make uh, the best of the situation here is all we're doing Okay, now let's, uh, let's go ahead and go over the overview of what to expect for tonight. Uh, in the first half hour, we are going to review the Arkham Art Series uh, in their race at Lebanon I-44 Speedway, along with the Truck Series race that was held at Darlington. Uh, in the
2: second half hour, we have a
0: guest. Joe Braff Jr. is coming on board. He's with ss 3 Racing and is a driver in the NASCAR Xfinity Series number 08. So we'll look forward to talking to Joe Braff Jr. at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. At 9.20ish, then we'll get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series at 940 uh, the NASCAR Cup Series, both races at Darlington Raceway.
1: Uh,
0: 10 o'clock, I'm um, sorry, 9.30 will be our uh, uh, Hot topics Sound Off. I think I told everybody 9.30 tonight. We might have to do 10 o'clock. <laughs> I may have to go out to everybody. 10 o'clock will be our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew. So uh everybody on board there. All right, so with that, Jay, let's go ahead and get started with the Arkham Menards series in the uh, 11, uh, I-55, i54 Speedway. Uh, that was kind of a uh, Buffalo and Ballot kind of a race, uh,
1: and a lot of hurt feelings
0: by the time it was all said and done.
1: Well, it is the uh, Arkham Menards uh, uh, series so we kind of expect that Especially on a shorter track so That's not a complete surprise Again these guys are racing real Hard real close your top teams Obviously going to race against each other We see that all the way up to the cup level That we'll get to later on so It didn't come as a big shock to see That kind of headline coming out of this race
0: Yeah absolutely uh, Let's start with uh uh, there was, uh, let me go back here. I've got hold that against over here. Uh, there were some bad feelings, hard feelings, and championship sports. Uh Sam Mayer walked away with his third series win of the season, and he took over the Sioux Chiefs' showdown lead for the first time. So there was a lot that went on that shook up everything. At uh, at Rotterdam uh, Speedway
1: this weekend.
0: Let's start with Haley Deegan versus Brett Holmes, Jay.
1: Well, again, together they combined to lead 154 of 200 laps and dominated nearly all the post race discussion. Uh, more to the point here, the lap 69 pass for the lead, which you can check out on Twitter or uh, some other places. Uh, there's a video of it. Uh, Deegan, the pass uh, by, I'm sorry, The lap 69 pass for the lead by Deegan um, Is what caused some of that discussion Deegan chalked it up to a learning experience Whereas Holmes said it was a typical Wouldn't even call it typical short track nonsense But a lack of respect So two different sides to it Again, you're going to see that all the way Uh, Holmes at least recovered for a second place finish So definitely uh, could have been a lot worse Had he finished worse I think his attitude might have been a little worse even so
0: That is so true. That is so, too, true. Uh, It was uh, especially frustrating for him because
2: he was hoping to gain some points and maybe take over the series'
0: point standings.
2: Jay. Uh, Right now, I believe he is just one point out. Uh, So that one position might have made a difference for him.
1: It certainly couldn't have. Like I said, the fact that he did recover and ended up in the runner-up position Uh, I think he's going to get over it a lot quicker. Obviously the race win would have helped him out even more so, but we also saw then, uh, if you will, karma as Deegan who spun with contact uh, with Ty Gibbs on the white flag lap ended up finishing fifth. So what goes around comes around and we haven't seen that in the Arca Menards in the main Arca Menards series out of, out of Haley Deegan yet. I know back when she was coming up through the West series, She had multiple run-ins, whether it be for the win or just a position. We hadn't seen that yet out of her in the the main series. So uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if she's uh, starting to really get the feel for it. Running up closer to the front has that shot at a victory, you know, being up front. Or if that's her style of racing that's just starting to come back out naturally. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that and and what kind of driver she develops to be.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't the only event uh, or entanglement, let me put it that way, of the night. Deacon also got into it with Chandler Smith early
1: in the race
0: when they were battling first place. Oh, sent Smith uh, around trying to get by uh, when Smith wasn't on the lead lap. Uh, So that was a little bit of an issue between the two drivers as well. And then Chris Wright. And Michael Self went into the grass uh, just before the
2: second break.
0: So uh, after
2: picking up his second win of the season at the road course at Daytona, Self finished 15th at Gateway,
0: and then he finished 6th at Lebanon. Uh, So after a myriad of in-race issues. So there were several issues uh, and entanglements, if you will, uh, between the drivers at uh, Lebanon.
1: Well, and this one concerns me even more so because you're talking about a a car not on the lead lap. Uh, That's where my concern comes in a bit, maybe being a little too aggressive. Going for the lead, going for the win, and I know you and I uh, have a little bit different viewpoint on this. I don't want to say it's acceptable, but more understandable. Uh, If it's a car that's not on the lead lap, it's early in the event, you know, then you got to start to question, is that the style of driving and do you want to be known for that? Uh, so, like I said, we're going to have to keep an eye on that She has obviously been developing here in the Arkham Menard series And we hadn't seen that But, like I said, she is getting closer to the front Running up front, leading laps And being a contender So that desire to win kind of bubbles up So we'll have to see how that carries through Into the rest of the season And her career As far as Michael Self, you're All right, right. Uh, A roller coaster. Oh, go ahead
0: well, I was just going to get into Chandler Smith and finish what you were saying about Michael Self.
1: Uh, you know, he had a roller coaster of a day uh, and it has had a couple of weeks. Like you mentioned, getting that second win and stretched the points lead back out to 25, went from seven up to 14, I believe, Now then 25. Now it's back down to one. So uh, I'm sure he's starting to, to feel some pressure again, having lost last year's championship. But there's a couple of good tracks for him coming up. Uh, it's, that's going to be a battle to watch All the way to the end
0: Okay And then Chandler Smith uh, He just seems to be, have An up and down thing going on After
2: winning at Phoenix Raceway back
0: in February Smith was running up
2: at Pocono, the winner at Lucas Oil Raceway, but He was also locked out of the race with Mechanical issues at leading 103 laps at
0: Toledo He rallied to a second place finish at the second Toledo race, and then he struggled through the Daytona Road Course uh, for a ninth place finish, but then he bounced back again to a second place finish at Gateway. But he endured a lot of situations at Lebanon this weekend, or as uh, the crew chief uh, from Venturini Motorsports, Billy Venturini, put it, uh, it was a rough night, got wrecked, then wrecked, and then wrecked, and then wrecked, and now we're going home. So that kind of In a nutshell, what we had for
1: Chandler Smith over the weekend, and there were a couple of little uh, Twitter back and forth between Chandler Smith and Greg Mills as well. Well, I thought about replying to that tweet with uh, hopefully he didn't wreck on the way home uh, because they did have a rough night, (laughs) and that's really surprising for Chandler Smith on a short track. I mean, we've seen him dominate. Like you said, Sam Mayer has now taken over the uh, suit Chief short track showdown uh, point. so, uh, yeah, points, so definitely not your typical Chandler-Smith. Uh, Why
0: don't you go ahead and go over those points, Jay, and then I'll do the Arcus series points.
1: Let me see if I can find the uh, suit Chief right there. Let me pull that up. All right, as we mentioned, Sam Mayer has now taken over the points there. Oh, this chart's hard to read. Uh, 319 points. 3 wins in the 8 starts. 7 top 10s, top 5s actually as well in those 8 starts. Ty Gibbs now second at 314, also with 8 starts. He's got 2 wins, only 6 top 5s but also has the 7 top 10s. Then in third now at 314, tied with Ty Gibbs, uh 5 points back is Chandler Smith which we fully expected as as far as short track racing. He's got the two wins, five top uh, fives, seven top tens. So they're all sitting the same number as far as top tens. It's the top fives that's making the difference there. Then you do have Michael Self in fourth at 305, Brett Holmes at 304. So there again, it's a one-point difference between those two drivers as far as this uh, battle as well, kind of coincidental. And that rounds out your top five. Haley Deegan is in the sixth position at 290, so a little bit further back. Okay. In
0: the Ark Menard series, uh, Microsoft continues to lead, but he's got Brett Holmes right there, just one behind them. Uh, Haley Deegan is in third, 48 points back. Drew Dollar in fourth place, 52 points back. And Bad Moffat holds down that number five spot, 160 points back. Uh, in 6th place uh, with 10 of 14 races uh, it should be mentioned too that Ed Moffat has 12 of 14 races in the book uh, Ty Gibbs in 6th place has 10 along with Sam Mayer in 7th place Brad Smith has 13 of the 14 races he's in 8th place, Chandler Smith 9 races in the books and Taylor Smith in or, I'm sorry, Taylor Gray in 10th place has 7 races in the books so the real battle is up there
2: at the front
0: uh it's between michael self and brett holmes with that one point and uh being 48 points back i'm sure hilly diggin was looking to try to close that gap if she could
1: well at here and i'm going to read you a stat line in 14 races one win four top fives 10 top tens that sounds like a pretty solid season And that's Drew Dollars And you mentioned he's 4th in points 52 points back There again, good isn't good enough When it comes to some of these points battles Because you got Michael Self and Brett Holmes Have 13 of 14 top 10s Each of them with 9 top 5s So that's where that difference is is Top 5 finishes You know, uh, finishing just top 10 Isn't going to get it done And that's got quite a points gap to make up I know right now the focus would obviously be with Haley Deegan, only four points separating those two in second. And like you said, they want to be up there and winning that race and capitalizing on others' misfortune if it so happens. Uh, but, again, if, if your bad day is sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, you're going to have a tough time catching them.
0: Absolutely right. Uh, we're at that point in time where we need to move on now to the touch Series race that took place. At uh, Darlington, that was the South Carolina Education Lottery 200. The race winner was Ben Rhodes at the age of 23, uh, driving the number 99 Tender Heels Horn uh, with Duke Dorson as his owner and Matt Noyce as his crew chief. It was his third victory in 112 Gander Outdoor Truck Series races, his first victory in 10th Top 10 finish in 2020. It was also his first victory and first top ten finish in two races at Darlington Raceway. Now, Derek Krause, a rookie, finished second, posting his very first top ten finish in two races at Darlington Raceway. It's also his ninth top ten finish this year. Austin Hill in third, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Darlington Raceway. As we mentioned, Derek Krause in second was the highest finishing rookie and Tim Hill continues to lead the series point standings, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. But let me uh, give you the top ten finishers, finishers here. Brett Infinger finished in fourth. Christian Eckes, another rookie in fifth. Rafael Assard, another rookie, finishing sixth. Tucker and end in seventh. Duda Brees finishing eighth. Timmy Hill is in ninth. And Brett Moffitt.
1: Rounds out the ten. Well, one Did thing and I the the uh, the Xfinity having run the day before, and then with the truck race, I remember thinking that Daytona was supposedly the wild card, and I know Darlington is a truck to, uh, track too tough to tame. We had some big name veterans that were returning to the sport and making some runs, but it really turned out to be that shootout there at the end. And this is why I think some of the crew chiefs are no longer crew chiefs or not to take a shot at Larry McReynolds, but have a little less hair because they were putting in a a tough, tough position. Sheldon Creed dominating that race victory, all but wrapped up caution comes out late. you got to make that call tires or no tires Darlington uh, tough call to make. I I believe even Ben Rhodes said it. He kind of wanted to come down for tires. When the other teams didn't, they stayed out. He said, okay, the team has confidence in me. I'm going to go get it done, and he did. Uh, great battle there at the end. Derek Krauss, rookie, coming so close to his first victory. I mean, gave it all he had, come up that one spot short.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, now, the 23 of Brett Moffat and the number two of Sheldon Creed won the first two stages of the race. There were seven caution flags for 35 laps,
1: and 11
0: lead changes among five drivers, Jay. Uh, And you're right. Ben Rhodes just happened to be in the right place at the right time uh, to be able to come home with that victory. And sometimes that's exactly what you need to do.
1: Uh, In this
0: case, uh, the guys were really fighting hard for that victory. Uh, If you want to uh, go over the points reports, I'm going to see if I can get a different uh, set of earbuds here. And uh, see if I can improve my voice quality
1: here. All right, well, you mentioned uh, Austin Hill is still your points leader. Again, does have one race win with seven playoff points. We're down to one race coming up here at Richmond to set the uh, truck series uh, playoff 10. It'll be 10. We'll get down to that here in a
3: minute. Uh,
1: Second place will be Brett Moffat. Doesn't have any wins. And ha- but does have five playoff points. Aaron mentioned picking up another stage win this past weekend. Then you have Zane Smith. He does have the two victories, so a total of 14 playoff points. Put him second as it stands right now uh, going into Richmond as far as playoff points. Fourth place is now Ben Rhodes. With that victory, he's got the five playoff points. Fifth place is Sheldon Creed. Now, he's going to... Again, minus Richmond, we do have one race left. But as it would be right now, with 20 playoff points in those three wins, he would be your points leader with the reshuffle. And you got Christian Eckes, a rookie, another rookie that has is pretty. I believe he actually did lock in this past weekend. Doesn't have any playoff points though in his bucket. Matt Crafton has one win, uh, five points, sitting in seventh. Eighth is Grant Infinger Two wins early in the season for a total of 11 playoff points, so we'll be reseeded fairly decent. Then you have Tyler Ankrum, nothing across the board, no wins, no playoff points. Here's where it gets super interesting. Uh, Tyler Ankrum in ninth at 447. Todd Gillen is in the 10th and final spot at 443. Now he does have two playoff points if he makes it into the postseason. But right on his tail, and we've been watching this battle, and it came into fruition here at Darlington between Derek Kraus. he is at 433 points in the first position outside of the playoff cut line. So that'll be a race within itself come Saturday, or, uh, actually Thursday night, sorry, for the uh, truck series. Then you got Raphael Lessard and Tanner Gray, two rookies, 377 and 350 points. They need that victory to get in. Fourteenth, fifteenth, there you got Stuart Friesen and Johnny Sauter, two veterans. Man, I, I don't know what Sauter needs to do. Uh that is, you can't even blame that on twenty twenty. I mean this is, this has just been an awful, awful season for him.
0: It has. It's not the typical Johnny Sauter kind of season. And uh hopefully uh, he will be able to come up with a win. He's got one last chance uh, because this next race at Richmond is the last race of their regular season uh, before the playoffs begin for the Truck Series. So uh, he doesn't have much time left, but uh, uh, I'm sure Johnny Soder will get it all figured out, hopefully for the next season. Okay. Oh, I certainly,
1: um, certainly see him making a rebound, uh, if not here in these final... T- Uh, Races uh, going into next year Or coming back into next year Because again, Johnny Sauter, great driver Great representative of the NASCAR Gander uh, Truck Series
0: Yes, he is Okay Uh, Jay, do you uh, uh, Have anything more that we need To say here about the Truck Series Before we kind of move on here?
1: Uh No, um it was good to see, and uh, I know we'll get to this in Hot Topics. I got something for us in Hot Topics, but it was good to see some names. I know they didn't have their best race, Greg Biffle, David Reagan, and Trevor Bain mm-hmm. uh, back in the truck series. We have talked about that multiple times. We have Matt Craft and Johnny Sauter as what we call the veterans of that series, uh, not just in racing, but of that series specifically. To see some names like that coming back into the truck series gives you that wide range. Young kid, mid-pack, and elder statesman, if you will. Uh, so uh, definitely some interesting things that happened there at Darlington. I know Reagan's made some uh, several spot starts. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the future holds for the truck series as far as these drivers.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, definitely looking forward to finding that out. Uh, now then, uh, let's see. We've got a couple minutes here, Jay. Uh, Why don't we go over the uh, uh, situation with the fantasy points here uh, and see what's happening with our fan for racing fantasy group.
1: All right. Well, uh, unfortunately, those that picked those veteran drivers I just mentioned, uh, again, not the best of weekends uh, as it shook out. Let's see. Find the truck series here. Uh, Sam actually came up with the best of six points with Austin Hill I was behind him with five with Matt Crafton, and to put that total points the Truck Series for us definitely one of the best battles we have here at Fan for Racing in the Fantasy Group. Andy's lead shrunk a little bit, a lot bit if you will, 55 points. Sam is now at 54. Whoa. Third place would be oh, yeah, yeah that one uh, that one shrunk down on him. Uh, Owens at 44. Sharon, you're at 43. James and I are at 41 and Mike is at 31. I know Mike did miss two races there but uh he's also had some uh some tough picks throughout the uh throughout the year. Now in total 24 points, take Mike out of the equation though and it's a 14 point difference. We got one more race and we go into playoffs and that means it's 14 rep points per race so uh even Mike's not out of it by any means. Okay.
0: Uh,
1: Do you want to go ahead and do the Xfinity? and? Okay, run through them all. Xfinity series. I went again, had a little bit of an interesting shakeup there at the end. Mike got the six points, didn't get the race win, but got six points for Ross Chastain. Denny Hamlin gave Andy six, and he's been dominating this Xfinity series. So we'll just start there. And uh, in this case, it's not the bottom one we want to not talk about. It's the top one. Andy's got 91 <laughs> points. Second place is actually me at 76. So 16 points. <laughs> They're not out of realm, but quite the gap just from first to second. Uh, then it, then it's pretty competitive. Owen's at 70. Sharon's at 65. Mike is at 59. And Sam, I'm sorry, in there as well, James at 56, Sam at 52. So there it's uh, 20, 24 points from... Last up to second, and then you got to throw on that additional 16 that Andy has just absolutely thumped us with.
4: (laughs) Yes, indeed.
1: Looking at the cup side, that one, Andy had closed up on me as Kevin Harvick got him 14 points. Again, this is the first playoff race in the cup side, so 14 points for Kevin Harvick uh, and Andy. Sam picked up 10 with Joey Logano. I did manage to minimize it. Eight points there for uh, Eric Jones. but that Close that up a little bit. 13-point difference. I lead at 127. Andy is at 114. Sam is now at the 100 points, 100 points even. Owen coming up on it. He's at 93. Sharon, you're at 83. James is at 72. And Mike at 68. Now, again, a lot more races. And I know Mike missed more of the races here in the Cup Series. That one got a little bit bigger gap. But, again, we're into that playoff point, or uh, playoff points, double points. Uh, I certainly don't like to see the second place behind me there gaining on me like that of picking up those 14 points. But overall, no, I hear you. We, did, we did have a little bit of a change there. Again, Andy stretched the overall point lead. He's got 260. I'm at 244. Owen has moved into third now, though, at 207. Sam is at 206. Sharon's coming up on the 200-point mark at 191. James is at 169, and Mike at 158.
0: Okay, just hasn't been my year this year. Okay, real quick, I do want to give a couple updates here on the Arkham Menard Series and their next races. Maybe, uh, mark your maybe calendar Sharon, for this. Sharon, Yeah.
1: You said it hasn't been your yeah. year. Maybe you should pick the race winner when they win, you know, like uh, Ben Rhodes.
0: No, no kidding. Okay, uh, anyway, with the Arca Menard Series, uh, uh, a couple of races coming up this weekend at Toledo Speedway on Saturday, September the 12th. You've got the Arca Menard Series racing the Royal Truck and Trailer 200 at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, and the Arca East will be part of that event as well. Uh, this the same race, so uh, look for the east and the west to, or the east and the Menard series to be racing together, and then in the west, uh, they've got a little ways to go before their next race. Their next race is at All American Speedway, October the twenty third at six forty five uh, p.m. Pacific time, so that would be nine forty five Eastern, and then the Suzy Su Chief Showdown. The next event for that series is on September the 17th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time at Bristol Motor Speedway. So that's going to be a big night.
1: Uh, Most certainly. And when you talk about a Sioux Chief showdown, a short track event, it don't get no better than Bristol. It's Bristol, baby. So that one definitely yeah, going to be sure. exciting. I think we'll see some uh, bumping and banging beat fenders and hurt feelings there as well. I think I think there people come into that facility with hurt feelings, don't they?
0: Yes, they do. Okay, now the Bush Beans 200 at Bristol, that will be televised on FS1. They'll race at All-American Speedway in October. That's going to be a track pass on NBC Gold. So if you're not a member yet, make sure you sign up for that so you can watch that race live. And then this coming weekend, the Royal Truck and Trailer 200 will be televised on MAP-TV, so you will be able to see that race there. Uh, Again, if you don't have MAP-TV, become a member of the NBC Gold Track Pass, and you'll be able to watch the live streaming of that event there. Okay, Jay, I think we've got it all in. Uh, I do want to go ahead, and uh, our next guest will be coming up here at 9 o'clock. We've got a couple minutes, but let's uh, talk just briefly about that Xfinity Series race uh, that took place at uh, Darlington Raceway this weekend. Uh, that was an exciting race as well.
1: To actually kick off the weekend here, and, and yet again, in my mind, I was just thinking that Daytona was the wild card. This one was pretty wild in and of itself. Veteran driver Denny Hamlin coming down. Again, you would expect great track for him. Great team. Dominated the event, but didn't come up as the winner.
0: And just like the truck race, it was the third place guy that ended up winning. Uh, Brandon Jones at the age of 23 and the number 19 Toyota for Owner Joe Gibbs and crew chief Jeff Meandering uh, It was his fourth victory in 161 Series races The third victory in 12th top 10 Finish this year and the first Victory and third top 10 Finish in seven races at Darlington Raceway Ross Chastain finished second Posting his third top 10 finish In seven races at Darlington And it's his 20th top 10 Finish this year Ryan C. In uh, third, posting his second top ten finish in nine races at Darlington. And Riley Earps, to finish fourth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, to uh, finish up the top ten there, you've got Denny Hamlin, who did come home fifth. Harrison Burton, the rookie, another rookie, finishing in sixth place. Noah in seventh. Michael Annette, eighth. Austin Hill finished in ninth place, and Maya Snyder, another one of the rookies, rounding out the top 10 there. Okay, we're coming up at uh, 9 o'clock here, and okay. our guest has arrived, Joe Grapp Jr. with SS Greenlight Racing. Uh, welcome back, Joe. We're happy to have you here.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So... Uh, Tell us about Darlington because Darlington is that egg-shaped track. It's kind of hard to really plan for Darlington because the the corners are not the same at each end of the track. It's a little bit different. But what else is there specific to Darlington that makes it so tough to race?
5: Oh, I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's nothing quite like it. I actually liked it a lot. I was a big fan of it my first time there, um, I thought we were good at times this last weekend, too. It's just a super unique track. Um, There's very little grip. Tire fall off is huge. It's just – it's obviously a bigger track, but it races in a lot of
0: ways like a short track, too. Uh, Exactly. Uh, So, in the grip, you know, there wasn't a lot of grip at Darlington this weekend. Uh, How was the weather? Was it real hot there?
5: Um, it, it wasn't too bad. It was about 85, I'd say. So looking at Darlington Pass, it, it wasn't as bad as it normally is.
0: Okay. Now, we have a little bit of unfinished business from our last uh, show that you were on with us, Joe. We were talking about uh, your sneaker collection, and you were going to come back with some information for us about that sneaker collection, and I think it had something to do with, your favorite uh, pair of sneakers? There.
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I I, I look through. I I think uh, the Jordan ones are definitely my favorite. I have a few different pair of them. Um, one of the cooler ones I have are actually a uh, ones I got last year from my buddies over at Sleep Race. They did a Collaboration with them and came out with some Eat, Sleep, Race, Jordan ones. So those were really cool. I like those a lot. Um, But other than those, I think the shattered backboards would have to be my favorite. So they're like orange and white. Um, So I'll have to show you guys the picture. Those are probably my favorite.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead and post it and we'll retweet it if you you can do that. Um, Yeah, of course. Okay. Also you had a new sponsor on board this time. Joe, right?
5: Oh uh, yeah, we, we had bucked up and we also had uh Votanos as well.
0: Okay. So that's pretty cool. I'm yeah, gonna yeah, try awesome. to pick up
5: super happy for those for them to come on. It was a really cool opportunity.
0: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So uh, tell us a little bit about what they do. Did we lose you, Joe? Uh-oh, we lost Joe there. So hopefully he'll be able to uh, pick up again here in just a minute. Um Okay, Joe's uh, call dropped, so we're going to try to get him back and uh, see if we can continue our conversation here uh, and uh, bring him back into the queue as soon as he comes back. I know he was going to to uh, post a picture there of those uh, favorite sneakers that he has. He has an amazing collection of uh, sneakers, and... Uh, He he, uh, has uh, posted about it on video a few times, Uh, so if I get a chance, I want to kind of repost that video at some point. It actually was taken when he was uh, on break during the pandemic. Uh, He showed some of the sneakers that he has uh, at that point uh, as well, so... Uh, we'll post that a little bit more tonight as well if anybody wants to check that video out. Okay. I believe we have Joe back now. So let me kind of bring him into the queue. Welcome back. (laughs) Sorry about
5: that. I think I lost you guys there. I don't know if that was on your end or mine. Oh,
0: that's, That's okay. I'm not sure either, but uh, we're happy that we're able to get you back. I'm, you know, our co-host for tonight is uh, Jay Huseman,
2: and
0: uh, I know he has some questions for you as well, Joe. So I'll pass the baton over to him.
1: Jay? Well, I got a couple of questions. Yep, leading into that, you were talking about bringing a new sponsor on board. In this 2020 season, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic that we suffered through, I know that's been a little bit of an issue from te- for teams, so I wanted to uh, ask a couple questions about that, of, of what bringing a new sponsor in like that means to a team like yours, especially during a season like this. Well, it's, it's
5: huge. I mean, this season's been crazy on so many levels with COVID, and uh, getting sponsorship has definitely been tough. So, like, we've been bringing on a few new sponsors. We're getting, getting ready to announce some new ones as well. I want to say so some really cool uh and and exciting news there. My team's been doing a great job um the new associate sponsor we had this week at Darlington was uh so they're an on demand technical training and educational resource to kind of help you learn like things like windows three sixty and things like that so I was super happy to have them on and uh can't thank them enough for the opportunity
1: that uh, we could all all use i guess i'm in that older group uh certainly could use some help with that so i'll have to check that i out. am definitely with what there. about
5: a... i'm gonna have to be honest i've definitely done it before it's it's been a struggle at times
1: that's it. that's why we have other other things we can fall back on for you it'd be a uh, race driving for me it'd be announcing right yeah exactly well, with that, that ties in, though, you know, with the new car and everything, you've had to adapt to that. But what about as far as the team on the track? No practice. I know they've gone to that. How does that impact a team like yours? And have you been able to substitute that with some technology, say, such as simulator training?
5: Um, well, I've got, I, have a, I have an iRacing simulator that I use, so that sometimes helps. It's definitely not the um, – it, it doesn't replace – practice time but it it definitely helps for sure i spend a lot of time on that and it's definitely been tough um having no practice fortunately uh my team has been awesome this year we've had no obviously no practice but we've had no mechanical failures or anything during the race so overall like been, been really good there um our, our stuff's been good so fortunate on that end i don't want to jinx us but the guys in the shop and will been working really good we haven't uh we haven't had any mechanical failures or anything like that unlike some of the other teams
1: well and that kind of leads into into one of them uh we've seen a couple of teams that again with the no practice and have had to withdraw or cut back on their schedule uh if they have a wreck especially like say on a doubleheader weekend that it can affect races down the line how are you guys situated for for, as far as that Um, we, we
5: should be in good shape as far as that goes. Fortunately, we haven't had an issue in any of the double header races so far this year. We've actually run fairly well in all of them. Um, so knock on wood, we won't be in that, uh, situation this week, but even if something were to happen in the first race, we have a backup car for the second.
1: All right. And the, the last one here I got before I turn it back over to Sharon. Uh, we've had this discussion when it came when the topic came up, give us a driver's insight on that. As far as um, some teams that actually seem to help not having practice, help them catch up to some of the top runners. Uh, and I look at the cup series of Kyle Bush, their team actually as a top team feel they were hurt by the no practice. Where do you guys fall in that? Do you think that helped close the gap that you're able to come to the track a lot closer and those guys get away from you when the, during practice times Again, I know some teams are limited as far as what they can spend on practice. Well, it's
5: it's tough to say as well because you're not necessarily comparing apples to apples in some cases, right? So, like, me being a rookie, I haven't been to most of these tracks before. Um, coming into this season, there was only probably four or five that I had been to. So, it's, it's tough to uh, go to those tracks with no practice, never seeing the track and be at your best so like i feel like at a lot of the new tracks i'm actually learning the track for the first third of the race and then we go race so like taking practice away from that definitely hurts us um there so like it's it's tough to say that that gap is shrunk or not because i as a driver am at a disadvantage with no practice not seeing the track before
1: well, you know what? I, I honestly I forgot that in the Xfinity series you are a rookie. I, I've covered you in the Arkham and Hard series, so you're right. Mo- moving up to the Xfinity series, you're going to hit some new tracks. So uh, I can see where you're saying you can't make that comparison. Um, we are, like I said, and the, you kind of fall in the category. We talked about that with the, the Cup rookies this year that that actually maybe even hurt them um, as far as that of no practice. So, but always great to get yeah, the you- driver's perspective on that and inside. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon.
0: Did you have something else you wanted to say there, Joe?
1: Um
5: not not really no, just that like I I feel the no practice has definitely made it interesting especially from a fan's perspective. Like it's it's definitely um and because nobody gets practice, it's still an even playing field. As a rookie, it definitely has some challenges, but overall uh I think it's been really interesting seeing us all hit the track for the first time during the race.
0: Okay. Uh, now my question, I know you did some I racing uh, during the pandemic break. Uh, and I'm just wondering, are you still uh, doing any simulation racing to help prepare for some of these tracks?
5: Yeah. So I, I definitely spend a few hours a week on it at um, at the, at the Next track we're going to just to kind of get visual cues and things like that, and just be able to at least see the track before you go there in real life. It uh, it definitely helps warm you up.
0: Okay, and and I forget who I was listening to because I listen to the scanners sometimes, and wh- whoever it was I was listening to, apparently they had done some eye racing as well, and they were saying how Darlington was pretty darn close to the simulator do you you find that to be true with a lot of these tracks or are there any tracks that are maybe just a little different than the simulator
5: um i don't think anything is exact um nothing 100 percent replaces being in the car and getting that feel and everything but it's it's definitely a really useful tool um so like I think Darlington, it it had some similarities. It had something like it. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but it's definitely the best um, product out there that you can try to use to simulate what you're going to feel when you get there.
0: It's better than just dumping in the car cold. I would imagine you have at least some familiarity that you get from the simulator. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, does it, I'm, I'm thinking it might help you with, like, choosing where your mark should be because, you know, you hear them say, you know, try to hit all your marks uh, when you're on the track. Exactly. It, uh,
5: it definitely helps, too, If even if um, – because, like, another thing is, like, depending on the weather and the track conditions of – like when you race on the track, like I've been to tracks where your marks actually change race to race. Like the track at the first Darlington was a little bit different than when we went back this time, just because the weather was a little bit different, things like that. We had more rubber there last time, less rubber this time. So different things like that kind of uh, add to it. But what iRacing lets you do is they're, they've done a great job of every light, every cone, every, um banner on the wall like it's all exactly where it is in real life so you can kind of pick out markers that um you already know where the markers are so depending on how the tracker the track is that that day you can kind of like you already know what you're looking for like all right i can't drive into the three cone layer the one cone like i normally can where the the track's slicker today so we're only driving into the three and different gotcha. stuff like that you know where it all is
0: Right, right. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, now I want to talk about the double headers that have been happening this year. Uh, you've had you've had double headers before, but you're going into the double header this weekend. Uh, and I, I think Mike, or I'm sorry, Jay asked you uh, a question about this as well. What's it like for you guys? Because uh, you're going to race on Friday night, and then you're going to race again. Uh is, is that extra tough on you guys or is it something that you can kind of take in stride?
5: I actually love the double headers. Um, I think it's a way to obviously do well in the first race, but you have that whole race to learn and figure out how that track races and things like that, and then go do it again the next day. Um, I've, I've actually been a big fan of them this year. Some of my, uh, favorite races have been the doubleheader races
0: oh okay that's kind of cool and that ties into kind of I I guess what we were talking about with that not having a practice and everything so it kind of gives you a little bit of a practice that you can utilize then the next day uh, with what you learn granted that you don't have any weather changes
5: (laughs) exactly
0: Okay. Uh, Jay, I'm going to give it back to you in case you have another question you'd like to ask.
1: Yeah, actually, I did. I, want, I wanted to get, uh, again, a driver's perspective. The Choose Cone has been in play for a while now. and I know there's a couple of tracks where super speedways and road courses where they don't implement it. But get a, your feedback, Joe, on, on that of how that's working out, what you think of it, and whether or not you think it should be in play at super speedways and road courses as well. Um, I I think it's been awesome. Um, I've I've grown
5: up running short tracks and in uh legend cars and stuff the choose choose comb was something we always do. So uh it's it's good to finally see it in NASCAR. I think it adds a level of strategy and another uh to kind of take a risk that, that wasn't there before. So I, I definitely like it. As far as the uh as far as having it at road courses and super speedways, um I think it could definitely be something you could see at road courses in the future. At super speedways it's tough because I I feel there's gonna be a lot of mistakes made with um teammates trying to get lined up in the same row and things like that. Um I I think it actually might take a little bit away from that. Because you'll be able to see all these teams get lined up to where they, they can work together right off the bat sometimes, where it's kind of interesting trying to see us all get, get to who we're working with if we're not starting right in front
1: of them or right behind them. OK, that was one of the things when we had that di- discussion uh, here with our hot topics of why not on super speedways and teammates lining up was one of the uh, the points that got brought up. I know you're at a little bit higher speed there. So like you said, it, it kind of opens the door for a late decision might be a mistake and and cause some problems before you even get to racing. So I uh, appreciate that, Sharon. I, I did forget to ask him that while uh, while I was on with him.
0: OK, no problem. Now, Joe, before we uh, say goodnight for tonight, did you have any more other shout-outs that you want to make uh, before before we say goodnight?
5: Of course. Uh, shout-out to my sponsors, as usual. Um, Bucked Up Energy, Eat Sleep Rates, Votanos, um, the band Avoid. Everybody should go listen to their uh, music. They're on NASCAR Heat 5, too. Uh, those guys are awesome, for sure. And uh, one other thing is uh, the NASCAR most popular driver fan vote just opened up. So you guys uh-huh. can go uh, vote for me. That'd be awesome. You can vote once a day from yesterday until I think November 9th at the at the end of the season. So a long time here, and you can vote once a day.
0: Okay. So that's awesome. So, uh, Jay, you and I have to go out there and vote for uh, Joe Graff, Jr., and and we'll have
1: to
0: well, do it repeatedly I
1: was gonna, <laughs> once a day. I was gonna say I was like I wasn't sure how humble he was gonna be if that would come up. I did see it on his Twitter fan line, so uh I certainly would have brought it up for you as well there, uh Joe. Uh you're one of the yeah. best drivers I have met in the garage area. I mean, I saw when you not only talking to us as media, but I saw you interact with fans, the kids, what you do when you're at the track. So uh definitely have my vote. Well that
5: That means a lot. I really appreciate that. I really try to uh, interact with my fans as much as I can, and uh, it's definitely been tough over COVID, but I feel we've been trying some new stuff and still being able to interact with our fans as best we
0: can. Okay, Joe. Well, we've certainly enjoyed having you on the show here uh, once a month. And uh, I know we're a little off schedule here, but we'll look forward to talking to you again at the end of September, the last Monday of September. And uh, we'll continue that through the remainder of this season. So thanks for being game for that. And uh, we will definitely uh, go out and vote for you. And uh, we hope that uh, uh, you get a lot of votes there in the fan vote, and uh, we hope you have a good race out there at Richmond this coming weekend.
5: Two races. Awesome! Thank you, guys.
0: Okay. Take care now.
5: You as well. Bye.
0: Now. Good night. All right, that is Joe Graff Jr. And uh, get out there and vote for him in the uh, in the uh, most popular driver fan vote. Uh, and uh, give him a little a vote of confidence from the fans Because Jay's right He does a really good job of interacting with the fans And uh, it would be really great to see him get uh, some recognition for that And acknowledgement Okay, with that, uh, Jay I think we are now ready to get into the Xfinity series Um I did kind of give the uh, information about Brandon Jones winning that race. Uh, I want to go over the rest of that top ten. Riley Earps, we mentioned, the highest finishing rookie in fourth place. Excuse me. Denny Hamlin in fifth. Uh, Harrison Burton, the other rookie, finishing in sixth. Then it was Noah Gregson, Michael Annette, Austin Hill, and Myatt Snyder rounding out that top ten. Any thoughts there with that, Jay?
1: Well, again, a real wild one there at the finish. Uh, seeing the three rookies kind of uh, off-putting, if you will, especially when it comes to, again, this being a track too tough to tame. Obviously, a uh, Denny Hamlin up there. But our top two Xfinity series, 11th or 10th and 11th. Nope, sorry, 11th and 12th. I had it right the first time. They did get stage points, again, not having a bad day, if you will, at 11th and 12th but not typical what we see from those two as we head in here into the playoffs. A couple other people are uh, drivers picking up some momentum. Brandon Jones picking up another win. Ross Chastain, obviously doesn't have a win yet doing everything he can. We've seen that. We talked about it with Haley Deegan, kind of an aggressive driver. We saw that again, that he was part of that uh, situation there with Denny Hamlin going to be interesting as they go into the playoffs and, you mentioned the doubleheader at Richmond, and what do they got? I'm trying to think when their playoffs start. Is it following Bristol? Is Vegas their first? Uh, I think uh, they've got
0: three, two or three more. There was four last week. I think there's three more yeah, races the before their last.
1: The two at Richmond, then Bristol, and I think they start their playoffs at Las Vegas. So Correct. Uh, short okay. track kind of plays into all of their uh Cat- the category for all of them uh, coming from uh, dirt track racing, road course racing. So that bumping and banging certainly not uh, an issue for any of them. No. Uh, going to be an interesting <laughs> next couple of three races.
0: It certainly is. You know, Denny Hamlin dominated. He won the first two stages of the race. Uh, there were seven caution flags for 37 laps. And get this. 17 lead changes among just six drivers. So we know that Ross Chastain and Benny Hamlin were two of those drivers uh, all the way up to the end there where, uh, like you say, it got a little aggressive and, and uh, the top two drivers uh, conceded to that third-place driver, Brandon Jones, who came home with the victory. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, go over the points report here.
1: All right. Well, again, Austin, Cindric, Chase, Briscoe, your top two. They're separated by 54 points. Uh, coincidentally, Briscoe is the 54 points behind with six wins and has 35 playoff points. Cindric with five wins at 34 playoff points. Once they reseed, those will still be your top two. And, again, there is quite a gap there. It looks like 18 is the next best. Uh, from Noah Gregson, who sits fourth in points with two wins. In between there, the third place, there is Ross Jastain. No wins and only one playoff point, but obviously a weekly contender. Fourth is Harrison Burton. I'm sorry, fifth. The Gregson was fourth. Uh, Fifth and sixth, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, similar stat lines, two wins, 10 and 13 playoff points, respectively. This one's a little off. Allgaier, one win, but does have 13 playoff points. Again, had a roller coaster of a season. We'll see how that plays out. Now, here's going to be the jump. Right now, in eighth spot is Brandon Jones with three wins, has 17 playoff points. He'll go from eighth up to fourth in the reseeding, barring any other uh, playoff points being built up. Then you got the drivers with no wins here. Mike Lynette in ninth, Riley Herbst in tenth, second rookie in the uh, playoffs at this point, Ryan Sieg. In 11th, and Brandon Brown is your 12th place and cutoff point for the Xfinity Series. One note to put there: we talked about him having a great. Okay, what you got?
0: Real quick before you move on to that, Uh, does Brandon Jones move up to third or fourth? Because he's got the three wins, which is the third most wins. Uh, Yeah. Based on right
1: now, as. Right now, as it is with playoff points, he would be fourth because uh, Briscoe at 35, Sendrick you. at 34, Gregson has 18, and then Brandon Jones would be next with 17.
0: Okay, so the, the playoff points uh, affect the seeding regardless of what their points were coming in.
1: Right, and they will get added, uh, again, your regular season playoff or regular season, which I believe Cindric is already, they get points based off of that. Um, spread out so it'll kind of sort itself out, but yeah, your playoff points get added to that, so they'll get that bonus. Um, and that actually is what okay. I was going to say. There with Ryan Ryan Sieg as well, right now in 11th. There's two teams or two drivers above them that don't have any playoffs, as well as technically Rosh Chastain only having the one playoff point. The points he gets for third versus Sieg in 11th, he might not overpass him because Chastain will get more points for where he sits at the end of the regular season. Um, but he will move up at least two or three spots in that reseeding.
0: Okay. And then you want to cover the guys below the cutoff.
1: Okay. Uh, 13th is uh, Jeremy Clements and three races left. He'd have to make up just what 40 looks like 45 points. Brandon Brown been having a very solid season. Um, Thinking there, I know it's three races yet, but looking at wins, Myatt Schneider, rookie in 14th, is at 441, and then Josh Williams at 408, and Jesse Little, another rookie at 403. You're getting into that where they really are going to need a win in order to uh, bump up that many points. Uh, we've talked about this in all this series. You can be having a good race, even a really good race, These guys that have already had great races and are still having great races, you're only gaining a few points here and there.
0: Okay. So those guys,
1: uh, it
0: it all uh, comes down to these last three races. And as you mentioned, those races are at Richmond this weekend with the one more race at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway in order to get it done. So uh, this is going to be exciting in the Xfinity Series over uh, the weekend as well as at at Bristol. Okay, now, I did not play post-race audio uh, from the Truck Series because right now we have uh, Ben Rhodes tentatively scheduled for next Monday night. That's September the 14th. Uh, it's It's not exactly confirmed just yet. But uh, we'll kind of stay in touch there, and hopefully we will be able to confirm him. But uh, right now, just a a heads up that tentatively, we do have Ben Rhodes scheduled for next Monday night, Um, and uh, hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, Now, I do have post audio, though, here from Brandon Jones, who is – uh, the race winner from the Xfinity Series race at Tarlington. So let's hear what Brandon Jones had to say after winning that race and kind of sneaking in there after the leaders uh, kind of clashed with each other. Race winner Brandon Jones driving the number 19 uh, 03-Championship Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. I'm joined by our race winner Brandon Jones, driver of the number 19 Joe
2: Gibbs Racing Toyota. Um, Brandon, it was a crazy couple um, laps there at the end,
6: but to come out with the win, kind of walk us through your run. Well, this was uh, first off uh, an amazing experience for me. I mean, this was a, a really big race for, for us drivers uh, with Throwback Weekend with, with Robert Huffman's scheme and you know, that paint scheme's won a bunch of races, so I'm, I'm happy to uh, add to that. And uh, so, so really big for the for the whole group there. And what a uh, what a fun day for sure. Uh, this was uh, this was crazy. I never thought that uh, we would be, you know, beating Denny Hamlin at Darlington, but we just uh, executed this race really well, I felt like, and uh, I think that's what kind of paid off for us. Awesome. We're going
2: to take some questions for you from the media, um, and we
6: will kick it off here with Jim Lecker. Go ahead, Jim. Congrats, Brandon. Uh, One thing this season you seem to have been doing much better at is being able to capitalize on opportunities that present themselves, particularly at the end of races. Uh, is that something you just you think you picked more from experience than anything else? It is probably so. Uh, it's a little bit of experience. I think it's a little bit of learning how to uh, study the races some and uh, how to really take notes good. And I know it sounds kind of um, kind of easy and and self explanatory, but I feel like we've done a really good job this year at building a, a good notebook. And it came here earlier this year after the after the lockdown. We didn't really have a, a great race. We had the speed at the end of the day, and uh, it just never showed because we had loose wheels and, and everything there. But we had the speed, so we, we kind of went back and, and watched a bunch of film. We've got SMT now so we can see uh, exactly where we were getting beat, where we were doing good. And uh, so I think we just kind of put, you know, everything together and uh, and, and made a, a full race out of it. But uh, that's what we've been doing at every single racetrack, and I think that's why you've seen a little bit more maybe consistency out of us.
0: Okay, uh, Brandon Jones, there after winning at Darlington Raceway this weekend. Uh, any thoughts there, Jay?
1: Well, as always, uh, you hear the talk of he shouldn't have won. He wasn't, you know, didn't dominate the race. Whatever, the race isn't over till the checkered flag flies. And I promise you, he has had races that he has lost. Uh, you know, again. Did he get take advantage of the situation? Most certainly. And guess what? He was running third, so don't take anything away from him as a driver.
0: I totally agree with you. Um I know Andy and I talked about it a little bit in the race chat this weekend and uh we were kinda and that's kind of what happens with Brandon Jones. But that that is what happens. You put yourself in the right place. So that if something does happen up there at the front, and he could probably see that those guys were going at it, all he had to do was buy his time and <laughs> wait for it to happen so that he could zoom in there and take that win. And and that takes a certain amount of skill as well. So uh, I agree. We can't take anything away from Brandon Jones there. Uh, he was in the right place at the right time. And even though it's happened a couple of times there for him, Uh, He's taken advantage of those situations, and that's what you should do in those situations. So he's doing exactly what he should be doing. Okay. Uh, With that, I know we're a little bit ahead of schedule here, but let's go ahead and get into uh, the Cup Series race at Darlington Raceway, Uh, the 71st Annual Cookout Southern 500 a fantastic weekend. I'm so glad to see the Southern 500 at uh, Darlington over Labor Day, and I love the throwback schemes uh, that are out there on the track. Uh, The race winner was Kevin Harvick at the age of 44, driving the number four Bush Beer Throwback Ford. Team owner Tony Stewart and his crew chief, Rodney Childers. Uh, It was Kevin's 57th victory in 710 Cup Series races, his 8th victory and 22nd top 10 finish this year. It was his 3rd victory and 15th top 10 finish in 27 races at Darlington. Austin Dillon finished 2nd posting his 3rd top 10 finish in 10 races at Darlington and it is his 8th top 10 finish this year. Joey Logano finishing third, posting his seventh top ten finish in 15 races at Darlington. The highest finishing rookie of the race was Cole Custer, and he finished in 12th place. Kevin Harvick continues to lead with that victory. To round out the top ten here, uh, Eric Jones, the only non-playoff driver in the top ten, uh, finishing in fourth place. William Byron finished fifth. And the next five drivers were Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Eric Almirola, and Clint Boyer. It's really ironic. I see Kyle Busch and Kurt Busch together so much this year. It seems like one's right after the other. A lot.
1: They uh, they certainly have been uh, paired up quite a bit. What, what I look at there, and I, I kind of did it as you were leading into the Cup Series, but I was on mute. Talk about a win coming to a driver. We know Kevin Harvick's talented, but he said it himself at Darlington. They did not have the best car. He led 32 laps. Truex led 100 and, let's see, 196. Chase Elliott led 114. And yet they finished back there in the, where were they end up? 20th and 22nd. (laughs) Harvick running third. The seas opened up for him. He got himself another victory. That seemed to be the theme of the weekend, Jay. It, it certainly did. And, and that tells you, again, we all know what Kevin Harvick's capable He has showed it throughout this season. But every driver gets those occasionally, just like they occasionally lose them when they are the top runners, such as Chase Elliott and Martin Truex.
0: Exactly. You know, it looked like it was Martin Truex Jr.'s race to lose. Uh, he won both of the first two stages. Uh, there were seven Caution flags for a total of thirty-four laps and eighteen lead changes among just seven. Dri- I'm sorry, six drivers. Jay. so yeah, he he pretty much dominated that race. But look at the margin of victory here. The margin of victory was point three four three seconds. So that was still pretty tight finish uh, in this race with Austin Dillon hot in pursuit of Kevin Harvick.
1: And they talked about that on the broadcast, especially at the end of a run. Harvick's car was especially not up-to-top performance. And you're right, Austin Dillon there. Had that gone another couple of laps, it would have been really interesting because Austin Dillon was definitely closing. and, and, And I know they talk about the hunger. I know Austin Dillon's got his victory, is in the playoffs, but that actually guarantees him advancing to that next round. Uh, would have certainly been interesting, and there is a little bit of history there between Austin Dillon and Kevin Harvick, had they actually gotten side-by-side <laughs> yep, right. side racing for that win. Still here? Jay? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm still here.
0: Okay, yeah, it sounded like you had more to say there.
1: Uh, No, like I said, it's one of those, unfortunately, is a a thought of what could have happened. Uh, Again, you mentioned how close the margin of victory was, but uh, it didn't quite pan out. A good run for Austin Dillon obviously gives him momentum uh, as well as building up at least in the irregular points, but that win is an automatic move on. Harvick was going to move on no matter what, so we'll have to see. uh, Like I said, if they can get side by side, it would have been a lot more interesting, I think.
0: It surely would have been. Uh, you know, uh uh the, and I mentioned this in the chat too. I remember the silver spoon comment from Kevin Harvick in relationship to Austin Dillon, uh and their relationship at uh at R C R. But uh hopefully they've kind of moved on past that. But you're right, there there has been some history there. Between those two drivers And uh, it would have been quite interesting Had uh, Austin Dillon Been able to even pass Kevin Harvick with a car that he admits Was not one of his better cars
1: Well, and that history Of the Silver Spoon comment was a long time ago But it's come up more than once here I'd say within the past (laughs) two to three years So uh, they may say They're past it, but it still comes out Once in a while
0: It does indeed uh, let's go ahead and hear about the points report.
1: Well, obviously, that puts Harvick even further up top again. He's still got a 19-point lead now over Denny Hamlin, 46 over third-place Joey Logano. Back to fourth is Brad Keselowski at minus 51. Alex Bowman set up real good at minus 54. Truex is at minus 57. Chase Elliott, minus 61. Austin Dillon, 63 back. William Byron sixty four back. Here's where it's gonna get a little uh interesting. Austin Dillon at well, let's start here, I guess. Yeah, forty, okay. I'll hit those in a minute here. Uh, Kyle Bush, you mentioned Kyle and Kurt Busch right there together, tenth uh, and eleventh in points. Eric Almirola, Clint Boyer, Cole Custer, Matt Di Benedetto, and Ryan Blaney. Now with after this reseed in the first race in the playoffs. Di Benedetto and Blaney are at two thousand sixteen. Cole Custer at twenty thirty. Clint Boyer is in thirteenth, which will be the the twelfth place being the cutoff line following the next two races, which for the cup series will be Richmond and Bristol. Boyer is actually okay, tied with Eric El-
0: Yeah, okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was okay. gonna say the same uh, thing. Go ahead
1: yeah eric Almirola at twenty thirty three is the cutoff he's tied with Clint Boyer uh, the advantage goes to best finish, and I believe it's the within the within the round, correct?
0: Yes, I believe so
1: okay, so if there's a tie going or at the end of one of the cutoff rounds, it's going to be the best finish within that round uh obviously when you'd be locked on moved on so second place any of them that have a second place or best finish within that round. But again, there the cut line is at 2033. Kurt Busch is at 2037. Kyle Bush is at 2040. 2040, so only seven points up. William Byron two more up at nine. Austin Dillon just talked about that. He's only ten up. Uh, again, that win would have guaranteed it. Uh, Chase Elliott again a rough finish there. Not necessarily how he ran. 2045. Talking 12 points. Martin Truex only. 16 points so you're getting into that gap now looking at it again richmond and bristol two short tracks a lot of things can happen but there are some drivers that are very good at that track to include matt de benedetto so i don't know if a second third top five finish there is going to do him a whole lot of good he really needs to go after that victory
0: yes indeed and And uh, another point on the uh, tie between Eric Amarola and Clint Boyer, what's really interesting is you say best finish in the round. Well, Eric Amarola finished ninth. Clint Boyer finished in tenth. So that's how important every position is in this series, and every series for that matter. So uh, that that finishing order of that race is what gave – Eric Amarola,
1: the advantage there. I I hadn't even noticed that that, that, that it was a one position difference just in this first race. So it uh, be interesting to see their Richmond and uh, Bristol results.
0: Well, and the other thing that I did notice is that Eric Amarola happens to have five playoff points to Clint Boyer's four. So I don't know if that plays into it or not, but he does have an advantage in that perspective as well. So uh, definitely interesting uh, to see how close uh, these points can be. And uh, that can go all the way up to the championship.
1: It most certainly can. We have seen it before uh, going into the final four uh, that I believe if it wasn't a tiebreaker, it was a one or two points uh, back with Jimmy Johnson, I believe.
0: Okay. Okay, now I do want to um, uh, play some post race audio here. I'm going to give you the choice, Jay. Uh, we do have Kevin Arvik. His segment's about 20 minutes, just a little over 20 minutes long. Uh, Crew chief Rodney Childers, uh, his is just over 10 minutes long. Then we've got Austin Dillon at 21:02, and then third place finisher Joey Logano at 11 and a half minutes. Do you have a preference there of who you'd like to hear from?
1: I'd like to hear from What his thoughts were there in those closing laps.
0: I'm sorry, who was
1: it? Uh, Austin Dillon.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I think that's a good guess. Uh Second place finisher, Austin Dillon, driving the number three American Ethanol Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's hear what he had to say.
2: Thank you for taking the time to join us. We're now joined by Austin Dillon, our second place finisher, and the driver of the number three American Ethanol Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. Um, Austin, can you just talk us through your run out there and um, how it feels to get a second place finish in the first round of playoffs?
7: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we had to start from the tail. <laughs> just a little hiccup there at the beginning. as the front tires flipped, I Had to go to the back. So. We least we found it before the race because they were probably not fence down if we hadn't had uh, found out. but man we've battled. this team uh, we've had a motto all year it's been Fido forget it and drive on and that's what we kind of showed that example tonight you know we just battled we didn't take off very good the first 24-5 uh, laps Justin made a great adjustment kind of really went at it freed up the car and that next run we took off and I felt like we were pretty good um, I had a punctured right rear and was able to catch it uh, in the middle of that um, first stage. We short pitted um, because I had to to, because the right rear was going flat. Man, the good Lord blessed us tonight. Caught a lot of breaks, truthfully. Um, When that right rear was going down, we caught it, went back out, uh, gained a lot of track position because we were on good tires, and uh, the caution fell for us in a good spot. Uh, Took back off, and um, just kind of got messed up on that restart, lost a little bit, and then was able to just steady work our way back to the front all night long and then get inside that top ten. Had some great pit stops uh, from our three team. And the American ethanol Chevy was really good when we, uh, we kind of got to a point where I didn't really know what to do to it other than just kind of slowly tighten it up. And um, I wish I would have just made a little bit more of an adjustment. Uh, you could tell my last corner, um, I had burnt the right rear off of it uh, trying to get there, and that's kind of where we were. We were just a little free. We had quartered the right rear
1: earlier in the race
7: and we had uh, we've been working hard we worked hard in the send this week to make the car take off better it's an older setup that we have run here a long time and and when you adjust it tweaked it a little bit to um take off a little better and that's that's what we wanted and it did and that that helped us keep our track position and and ultimately give us a shot at a southern 500 so close to one of the crown jewels again i mean i like winning those things so um yeah good run
0: Okay, Jay, your thoughts?
1: Well, am I off mute? Okay. No, yeah, um, you
0: off
1: now. <laughs> You hear him talking about the positive things, the good things they're doing, but you can still hear in his voice a crown jewel, the Southern, uh, Southern Five Hundred. Yeah. How much that meant that he didn't Get it you know he said he likes winning those having Picked up the coca-cola 600 As well as the daytona 500 So you hear the Positivity there things are good for the team They did what they needed to do but he came up Just a little short you can tell that stung
0: Yes Indeed uh, And uh, We'll have to uh, Definitely uh, uh, Make sure uh, to kind of keep an eye on that for Austin Dillon, because uh, I think he, didn't he win a Coke 600? I was thinking he had yeah, won he, a Coke 600.
1: He did. That was his first victory, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. The Coke 600 and then the Daytona 500. So like like you said, those crown jewels, uh, we've seen a couple of drivers that, that have done that, uh, not have many, but if they're the big ones, uh, certainly puts their name out there.
0: Yes indeed. Okay, so uh is there anybody else? We've still got a little bit of time here. Is there anybody else you'd like to hear from? In that group?
1: Um, let's see. Actually again, I I mean we heard from Kevin Harvick, obviously race winner gets a lot of coverage, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, as well they should, but uh well, we listen to Joey and see he's one we've talked about throughout this season, kind of a up and down. See where they feel they're at here following a top five finish.
0: Okay, just just for the record, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, this is their eighth victory this season, and we've talked about this, Jay. We keep thinking, you know, that these guys might be peaking too soon, and can they sustain that throughout the playoffs? Well. Look at what they did in the very first race of the playoffs Their eighth victory of the year So uh, that pretty much answers that question
1: Well one one thing I look at that Before you play the audio from Jerry Logano We talk about a championship team No mistakes You make your own luck Like said, they didn't have the best car They were still running third And when something like that happens They're able to capitalize on it So that's what I look at They didn't have the best car. They were going to take their third-place, fifth-place finish and move on just so happened to play into their favor versus a couple of the other teams that we saw kind of stub their own foot. So, again, that's what championships are built on.
0: You're exactly right. Okay, third-place finisher Joey Logano driving the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford in the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's hear what he has to say.
2: <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, we're now joined by our third-place finisher Joey, driver of the two-shell Penske Um Joey, it's been a while since we had you in one of these uh, Zoom rooms, honestly. So how does it feel to get back up there and, and get a third-place finish? Right,
4: thanks for that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I think it feels all right. Um, you know, I, I think overall, uh, you know, in the playoffs start, you got to find that next gear, Um the team did that today. Uh, we got throwing a lot of curveballs throughout the event and, uh, we were able to overcome a lot of them, uh, getting a high right front tire with one to go in the second stage, uh, hitting the wall, uh, because of that, needing to fix it. And then of course, you know, next restart, uh, everything is bottlenecked and I get hit from behind in, in the front and, uh, become the meat in the sandwich and the left rear gets torn off it. Um, everyone did a good job fixing it. So, um, every, every player on the team did their job today uh, and was able to recover for something great. So, um, you know, that's what it's about. It's about a team effort. It's about one uh, with, with cool heads when when the adversity hits. That's pretty much what happened. Uh, we, we got thrown a lot of things at us and fixed uh, the car good. Strategy worked out well for us and got us some track position back. And then uh, the last pit stop, the pit crew picked up four spots and, and put me in position to – do the right thing on the choose rule get another one there and then uh, you know you're close <laughs> you want to caution it's a Southern 500 you want to win this one so bad you know finish the top five in the series quite a bit um, but never won it so um, wanted to wait till next year
0: wow you can hear his disappointment too Jay he wanted that victory but uh, he did talk about some good things about the signs of a champion and being able to overcome adversity. And it sounds like they, they did that quite a bit at Darlington. And uh, we're still there with that third place finish at the end.
1: You, you're right. There, there's definitely still that disappointment. Uh, you know, at this point in the season, obviously, the Dar, uh, Southern 500 at Darlington is a crown jewel event, one everybody wants to check off. But you also know it's about the playoffs. And just he mentioned the team, everybody on that team stepping up, getting into that second gear.
8: They
6: had
1: to overcome the adversity. They did come back to get a good third place finish. Uh, you know, you got to feel good about that, set that little bit of a disappointment. And you're, you're right, you still heard it in his voice as well. And he was third place, but knowing they were within range of it.
0: Exactly, exactly, and uh, you know, he's talked about stepping up his game uh, for the playoffs, and he felt like uh, his team definitely did that, and uh, that was good too, because <laughs> I don't think he appreciated it too much, but even the uh, the host there indicated that he hadn't been in the top three for a while, so it was good to have him back in that group, uh, <laughs> but uh so, so Joey's stepping up his game. He's got a lot of things going on right uh, when the team is able to overcome that adversity, and we've talked about it a lot. That's the sign of a championship right there.
1: It is, and he's been one throughout the year. He came out a little bit strong at the beginning of the season, kind of went through a slump. Looks like he's back up to form, as we saw with all Penske drivers. Unfortunately, one of them maybe on the downside of that as we talk about in hot topics with Ryan Blaney uh but Joey and Brad certainly uh kind of going forward hopefully Blaney's able to tag on and uh rejoin that direction.
0: Okay. Now um we do have a couple minutes here so I'm going to go ahead and play uh, a minute or so of uh, Kevin Harvick's uh post race comments. He was the winner uh, this weekend in the number four Bush beer throwback board with the Nascar Cup Series. Kevin Harvick.
2: Thank you so much for taking the time to join us and congratulations on another win at Darlington um and winning in the playoffs. So um can you just walk us through your run and what it feels like to get that first win um heading into the playoffs.
7: Yeah, it was a battle. It it wasn't uh, wasn't necessarily pretty um but every Sphere, uh, Ford Mustang team did a great job tonight, uh, keeping us in the race. Rodney had great strategy. Our car was extremely loose all night, and you know we we were able to manage to, to get it better, but never never really got it going as good as we'd like to. But uh, they battled and and uh, we kept ourselves in the right spot. The leaders got tangled up, and and we were in position to to capitalize on that. So definitely definitely uh, weren't the fastest car, but definitely uh, you know put ourselves in a position to capitalize on a, on a moment
0: Okay, we talked about it earlier. Uh, Kevin Harvey admitting he did not have the best car, uh, but was able to capitalize on that, uh, on on the situation.
1: And giving credit to the team, keeping them in position. The one thing I look at, we've talked about this uh, um, a little bit earlier in the season, putting that focus, uh, you know, with 62 playoff points, Again, he's going to make it easily into the second round. I'd have to do the math to figure out if he's locked in already, if not real close. But knowing that they are pretty much destined to be into the final four, that they might be putting a lot of their focus and effort into that. Uh, Not to say they didn't have a car ready for Darlington, but you heard it. They didn't have the best car uh, that they've had out of their own shop, let alone the best car at the track this weekend. They just happened to come out in a good position. And, again, by having an off car, they were running third, fourth, fifth. There again, that's what your championship's built on. Your bad days are fifth-place finishes.
0: Exactly. So, uh, again, uh, you know, making the most of, of – uh, making lemons out of lemonade uh, or lemonade out of lemons. Uh, for for uh, drivers not having a good day And that's what drivers like Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick do And uh, that's why they're as successful as they are Eight wins for Kevin Harvick this season is phenomenal And uh, it's not over yet, folks So i got a feeling uh, that's not the last one we're going to see From Kevin Harvick this year
1: uh, Most certainly not Because you might see one at Phoenix
0: Yes indeed yeah that's a track that he is uh very, very good at, so uh definitely uh can't wait uh, to see even the next round at richmond uh to see what happens at richmond with in that regard uh now that one I think Denny Hamlin's going to give him a run for his money.
1: You certainly can't uh, put it in pen. Uh, You're right, Denny Hamlin, and and I believe that's where he won last year to advance into the uh, final four to even have a shot at the championship. So, and we got a couple others again, depending on who those third and fourth drivers are, which I know we had that discussion just here last week. uh, Might have changed up a little bit here as we've seen again. Darlington only being the first race, first race of this first round. Uh, We'll have to see who advances, but who's carrying that momentum and can continue to have good finishes, not just good runs. That's not going to do Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, a whole lot of good, delete a lot of laps but not get the finishes. So we'll see how that plays out as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, uh, a lot, nine more races to watch for the Cup Series. We've got uh, three more races before the Xfinity Series re- uh, season is over. And just one more race at Richmond this weekend for the Truck Series before they start their playoffs. And uh, I can't wait. Uh, For the racing that we have to look forward to uh, For the remainder of this season Uh, It's uh, been exciting so far And it's going to become even more exciting I think as this playoff continues to unfold So uh, uh, definitely uh, can't wait uh, for Richmond And uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that Doubleheader with the Xfinity Series this weekend
1: I was going to say, not, we're getting real close here to starting hot topics, so uh, we'll just throw it out there. We don't have to have it as our first topic, but what are you looking forward to most? The truck race, the final event, got Todd Gilliland and uh, Derek Krause battling it out, double header for the Xfinity Series, or round two of the Cup Series uh, already into their playoffs? <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun to watch all three of those things, uh, but that, that you can't beat the last race of the regular season. So I think the truck series is also going to be exciting to watch. Uh, But I'm I'm crazy about uh, watching all of the racing that's going to be taking this weekend and uh, looking forward to every single one of those races. Okay, we are at the top of the hour, and that means it is now time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And here to join us uh, for our conversation tonight is Mike Orzel. Hello! All right. Mike is here. Okay, Mike, uh, since Jay and I have been talking for the last 90 minutes, we are going to let you kick it off tonight.
8: Sure. I might as well grab a low-hanging fruit before somebody else gets it from me here. Major, major, major announcement today. Auto Club Speedway is going under the bulldozer after the spring race from the 2021 season, uh, and the track will be reconfigured from its current two-mile speedway layout into a half-mile short track. Uh, they released a preliminary, I don't know if you want to call it an artist's rendition or a sketch of what it's going to look like, kind of an overhead view, and it looks like a very tight track Martinsville-style Um, But they haven't said as far as what degree of banking, but they've described it as having banking like Bristol. So we're looking at potentially a track that's going to be a hybrid between Martinsville and Bristol, two are probably the most popular racetracks on the NASCAR circuit right now coming for the
1: 2022 season.
0: Okay. Jay, your thought?
1: Well, I was actually – I thought I had it saved here where I could pull it right back up – a tweet from Doug Rice, I believe. I was going to read and then give my thoughts on it. Okay, I can't find it back right off the top here, but I'll, I'll summarize it. He said, fans want more short tracks, more short tracks, more short tracks. They have one in L.A., and it is doing well. So, with that, obviously, short track racing provides some great entertainment. I'm not saying I am against a short track. But California was one of those unique tracks. I know that we only go to once a year now in Auto Club, a two-mile track, but has in recent years provided some great racing. Now, I know they are probably due, again, out there, weather conditions and everything else being a little different, due for a repave, which is what hurt it to begin with uh, a few years back. So I'm kind of torn. I, like I said, I am not against adding more short tracks. But I'm also not one that wants to see every mile and a half track go away, and I also agree with Doug Rice. The fans are fickle; they want more night races, then they don't like the night races no more they want more road courses, then they don't like them. they want this, but then it's in too much and so there's a fine line, and I just and from a business perspective, if that's what nascar uh and I, I didn't realize this I, of, of who actually owned that track, Auto Club Speedway now, uh, Penske or NASCAR. But if they think that is the direction they need to go with it, I understand that. I just, I, I'm leery about the whole give fans what they want immediately because it can change as early as tomorrow.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I, I think that there might be a little bit more to this. Uh, I think about the, what's happening with the economy uh, and and everything else that's going on this year, and I think that there may be some other considerations here, although it's going to cost them a lot to tear up that track uh, and rebuild. Uh, that also gives them some earning potential when you think about development that can happen around that track and uh, some new construction that could to be taking place there. So I I don't know. I just think that there might be something more to what's going on here. Uh, and we've got to keep in mind, uh, they're calling it the next gen in California. Uh, the other thing I want to keep in mind is that you want to keep in mind, this is still very early in the process. Just because they've been, they're talking about it at this point, uh, it's, doesn't mean necessarily that that's exactly what's going to happen uh, they want to they want to take the first step to creating a state of the art uh, facility uh, according to the people that are behind this um, and they're looking to have intense short track racing that fans love but uh, again this is very very early in the process so I think I'm kind of in a let's wait and see what happens kind of mode here uh, and, and see if, uh, if this actually comes to fruition. Uh, I think it's an interesting prospect, uh, but let's wait and see what actually does happen. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts?
8: I'm kind of with Jay on this one. Um, I'm really, really excited to see a hybrid between Martinsville and Bristol. Those not, uh, not Road courses notwithstanding, those are probably my two favorite tracks that I, I make it a point to watch those races whenever I possibly can. I love Martinsville and Bristol. They provide some of the best racing on the circuit. And a hybrid between two of those, just it, it intrigues me. Um, as far as the financial end, they're probably going to make money selling off the excess property in that area. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just flew into Ontario two, uh, a couple weeks ago. And they're just—they're going to build warehouses all over. There's an entire city of warehouses out there. They're probably going to make more money in their pockets than it's going to cost them to reconfigure this racetrack. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a financial hurdle at all in order to make this happen. On the other side of that equation, though, Auto Club Speedway, like Jay said, has been fairly decent racing—at least not the worst that we have. I can think of a few other tracks. That I would much rather see go under the bulldozer, (coughs) just as Kansas, Kentucky, um, that I would much rather (laughs) see go under the bulldozer than Auto Club. The other thing that we kind of look past a lot as NASCAR fans, Auto Club Speedway has a very healthy amateur racing side of it as well. Um, SCCA and a lot of other amateur-focused organizations do a lot of track day events and open track events at Auto Club Speedway that give amateurs the opportunity to get out there on a racetrack and either in a race car or their own personal street car go out there and have a good time. We're talking about the backyard of Jimmy Johnson here. Uh, in El Cajon, California. Kevin Harvick grew up in Bakersfield, and Jeff Gordon was from Vallejo, so not very far up the road from Auto Club Speedway. And taking away an opportunity for an amateur to get out on a racetrack may be something that stands in the way of the next Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, or Jeff Gordon, getting that spark or the opportunity to develop into the next generation of racing star. Okay. Uh, Jay,
0: follow-up?
1: Oh, yeah, I got some follow-up. Uh, again, from a business standpoint, like I said, if if that's what um, the, behind it, like you said, Sharon, if some of the things behind the scenes might be more about, I can't answer to that. they got to do what's best for them. The one thing I will say, and I, I know Mike said it's kind of a hybrid between Bristol and Martinsville, but I will tell you this. As far as if it were the Jay Hoosman Cup, I wouldn't be looking for the next Bristol or Martinsville. I'd be looking for the first of something, which NASCAR does not have a dirt track. So, you know, that might be something to think about.
0: Interesting. I I don't really have too much to add uh, because I think this is still in the very early stages. Uh, we'll see if it comes to be, but uh, not much to add there for me. How about you, Mike?
8: Well, I mean, you say it's in the early stages, but the timeline that they said they're going to do one more race early in 2021, uh, the spring race, it sounds, this sounds like kind of a backdoor confirmation of one piece of the 2021 schedule where they said they're going to run the auto club speedway race on the current configuration early in 2021, probably somewhere around that early West coast swing timeframe. And then immediately after they close the gates, That's the last time they closed the gates on Auto Club Speedway in its current configuration, and they are going to complete the construction project in time to have no interruption in racing at the facility, and they're going to race at that new short track in the 2022 season. So it may still be somewhat in the early stages, but I don't think they're dragging their feet on this one, at least not if they're going to hold to the timeline that they've already announced. They're talking about starting construction in six months or less.
0: Okay, well, we'll wait and see. All right. So with that, uh, Mike, uh, Mike brought up the first topic. So, Jay, it's your turn to bring up the second topic.
1: Well, I sent out one, though, so that everybody was on the same page there. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to throw in there. I know Andy had some comments reference the, the track situation, if you wanted to throw those in oh, there real quick, yes. or what you got from him.
0: Yeah, let's see if I can find that now. Uh, Andy, I think, was good with it. Uh, let's see if I can find it. I won't be on, okay. But uh, his viewpoint is two thumbs up, and there's several more intermediates they should do this to as well. So I think we kind of touched on that, the 1.5-mile tracks uh, that other people might uh also have in mind for some kind of a reconfiguration, but uh, yeah, Andy. For Andy, it's two thumbs up. He thinks it's a good deal, and it sounds like it'll, it's going to be a fantastic track if if everything goes according to plan.
8: Well, it it's like a good Andy thing that the they, they don't. Cost ha- that I do. I'm sorry. I was saying it sounds like Andy has the same cost that I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Okay,
1: you you said something else too there. Yes, and and, and I've had this discussion good-natured. Again, I'm not saying that certain 1.5-mile tracks don't need some improvements or the racing needs to improve, whether it be through aerodynamics. I just don't want to see them all go away. And I'm one that kind of am in favor of, I would like to see, again, theoretically, 36 different races at 36 different tracks. Even if that means getting rid of a second Bristol race Or a second Martinsville race As Mike, those are my favorite But I would also like to see them Maybe an Iowa Or in this case a short track there in California But I don't want to see any of the tracks Necessarily go away So Again, theoretically that would be To me the ultimate would be 36 different races 36 different tracks Okay Uh, I
0: apologize for the dog in the background. (laughs) I can't do a whole lot about that at this point. But uh, at any rate, um, Mike, you or I'm sorry, Jay, you were going to bring up the next hot topic.
1: Yeah. With that, I did also put that in the group. So everybody, uh, in case they hadn't seen it, uh, Trevor Bain going to be in in and Ty Majeski out at Nice, Nice Motorsports number 45, starting here with Richmond.
8: Interesting, Michael. your thoughts? Yeah, I was really surprised to see this um, timejeski he, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire i let's 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 not get too far ahead of ourselves here i don't I did not have him penciled in in the championship for Phoenix, but at the same time, I don't think his performance was such that it merited getting the boot at the end of the not even at the end of the season in the middle of the season here uh, in favor of a guy like Trevor Bain. Um, we talked last week about how encouraged we were to see Trevor Bain get the opportunity and we wish for him to get another opportunity, but I don't know that anyone really was hoping that he would get it at the expense of a guy like Ty Majeski, who I think he still has a lot of potential to develop. I don't know if there's something else going on with Ty, if he's got some sort of a personal issue going on that's going to take him out of the the truck anyway. Um, It didn't look like there was anything implied, or at least I missed it um, that gave a reason for it. But based strictly on performance, I don't know that booting Ty Majewski out of the truck at this phase of the season was necessarily a fair move to do to Ty or even the right move to do to the team going forward.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was a little uh, surprised to see this. Ty Majewski uh, has been a driver uh, and to take him out uh, this soon does kind of surprise me. Uh, I I, uh, I'm i happy for Trevor Bain uh, to be coming back into the truck series uh, but I, I'm a little disappointed that Ty Majewski was let go uh, before really giving him a chance uh, to come back and maybe race uh, another year at least with Nissan Motorsports so uh, that was a bit of a shock to me so Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts.
1: I mean, even Dan- Daniel Hamrick got to run the full season with Richard Childress Racing as a rookie <laughs> before he got booted. Um, yeah, it, like Mike said, especially not even to finish out the season, whether or not they brought him back for another year, uh, that's a whole nother discussion. There has to be something else going on behind the scenes, whether it be Trevor Bain bringing in sponsorship money. Uh, like uh, Mike mentioned, maybe Ty Majeski has something else going on that he can't commit to the team for some reason all of a sudden. Don't know that, but it's certainly based on performance as a rookie. I don't – and we're not talking about Kyle Busch Motorsports. I know with Kyle Busch there there was a certain level that rookies were winning races, so that level is up a little bit there. For a rookie with Nice Motorsports, I I just don't see it um, as that – Obviously, they want to be winning races, and maybe they do feel Trevor Bain can bring them that. Uh, it's tough to say off of one race. Uh, Trevor Bayne certainly great to see him back in the series. Didn't light the field on fire either there in his first race back at Darlington. So, but he might have provided some insight that they feel maybe the team needs. You know, maybe they said, okay, we didn't perform as well as we could have, but the insight he brought to the team might be that they that's what we need going forward and a rookie and majeski isn't or can't provide that uh very intriguing uh we'll have to see if more comes out of the story later down the road as to the why um and whether or not that's an advantage or not that we'll see in the next what eight races or seven or eight races that the truck series have left
0: okay mike any follow-up comments
8: Yeah, I I don't want to speculate too much. Like Jay said, and and I said as well, there very well could be something that has caused Ty to to initiate this change on his end, uh, whether he's got something going on in his life or just decided he wanted to do something. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to, to imply any kind of a rumor or anything like that. But just based on what I've seen as a fan on the racetrack, I didn't see a performance issue that would, you know, if if I were the owner of the Truck Series and the Jay Hoosman inaugural Truck Series, I wouldn't fire Ty Majeski, not not in the position that he was in with the team that he was in.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, okay, wait, I got I got to no, clear, clear something. I got to clear something up there from Mike's comments. Is it me owning the truck series or the truck team? Because as a series, you can't fire the driver. So am I the truck owner there or the truck series owner? I don't know. I mean, if I guess if I make the wrong call, I get fired
8: out of the Jay Hoosman series. So I, I guess I got to watch my words carefully on this one.
0: <laughs> okay. It, it, and it might be interesting to also note that Trevor Bain Uh, is going to be in that number 45 truck for Nice Motorsports. Uh, But then you also have Carson Hosevac, who's going to be racing uh, for Nice Motorsports this weekend. He'll be in the number 40 truck, and Natalie Decker will be in the number 44, all for Nice Motorsports. So uh, three drivers uh, for Nice Motorsports this weekend at Richmond. That's all I have to add.
8: <laughs> well, Mike. I'm not sure if I want to add here. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, at this point, all we can do is hey, we got to wish Trevor Bain well. I hope he's successful. I um, don't know. Nice Motorsports made the final four with Ross Chastain last year. So maybe, maybe it is a level of internal expectation that. They felt that if they weren't on a trajectory to make the final four with Ty Majeski, I think it's unreasonable to expect a rookie like Ty to fill the shoes of a relatively experienced driver like Ross Chastain and take that truck deep into the playoffs in his first year. I, I wish Trevor Bain well, but at this point it's kind of a loss for the season for the 45 team because it's not like Trevor Bain's going to make the playoffs at this point. So I wish him well. I'll leave it at that.
0: Okay, Jay. I know you're biting
1: at the bit. Well, actually, I was biting my tongue. How to how to say this? <laughs> I don't want to take a. You rarely hear me take away anything from a driver, but as you went down the list, there to me, I think Ty Majeski has performed better than Natalie Decker. So, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from her, but if it were based on performance, then I would think that maybe they'd look that direction. Uh, I, too, do wish Trevor Bain, as well as Nice Motorsports, success. Um, And I do think Ty Majeski will land on his feet somewhere. And that was the other part to what I had to say there to uh, wrap this up. As a truck team owner, Mike, you have a job. Your job is going to be a PR to represent my two drivers in Ty Majeski and Noah Gregson. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh,
0: just I will add something here, uh, to what Jay had to say, and that is uh, Ty Majeski is 16 in the series point standings, uh, compared to Natalie Decker. And by the way, Ty Majewski, uh raced in 15 of 15 races. Uh, 15 races that's all he's raced this year. That's that just doesn't seem right at all. Uh, compared to Natalie Decker, I don't think that she has many races this year. I'm trying to see where she is standing. For some reason, well, I can't find her in the points. She oh, spent here almost she is. two
1: months She's in the hospital.
0: That's true, too. She was two months in the hospital. She has nine races under her belt. So that might accommodate for why there is some difference there and why Natalie is still there, even though she's in 26th place compared to Ty Majewski in 16th place in the series point standings. Six races. <laughs> just a just a thought. Okay, Mike, that brings us back to you for the next uh, topic.
8: Yeah, I've got one that's uh, probably not going to be super surprising to anyone, but Matt Kenseth has basically said he doesn't anticipate driving again in the 2021 season. Um, There's been a lot of speculation uh, with what's going to happen with the 42 car at Chip Ganassi Racing. I don't think anybody really saw Matt Kenseth as a long-term solution for that car uh, based on his age, based on his career trajectory and, and whatnot. Then um, this kind of confirms that it's probably unlikely that Matt Kenseth is going to be coming back to the 42 car or any full-time Cup ride in the 2021 season.
1: Okay, Jay. Well, and I think the way the season has gone, uh, you know, it came out fairly strong in the first couple of races. And again, I don't want to take it take it out against Matt, but that team performance has not been what it was. So, again, if they're looking, like Mike said, long-term uh, for the future, they want to get in who – driver who they are planning to build around, which, uh, again, Matt Kenseth did a great job. Again, stepping in, not having any practice. He's been out for, uh, what, two years. Certainly did a job. Um, maybe had a little bit higher expectations, especially for all of his first couple of runs where the team was running at, but it fell off. And I know they did make some changes where they were trying to orientate the setups and stuff more towards Matt Kenseth as a driver. Um, But again, you don't want to go real far down that road if that's not your long-term solution. So uh, like Mike said, it's not real surprising. You may see him pick up rides here and there, become one of those subs, or if a certain situation comes up where a driver is needed. Certainly one of the calls I would make would be to Matt Kenseth uh, if he's available and interested. As we've heard Greg Biffle say the same thing, like I said, his comment was he would look at the right opportunity doing a full-time season again, as Matt pretty much did. Um, But I don't think uh, it was quite what was expected either.
0: Exactly. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we did expect Matt Kenseth to to really race longer than a year uh, at uh, at uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, he came in under uh, circumstances that were not optimal, and uh, you know he, he was helping out in the situation. And I thought Matt Kenseth was a good choice for that. Uh, but Matt Kenseth, like everybody mentioned he's getting older. He's probably not looking to rest, race a full time season. Uh and uh he has probably some some other routine uh that he'd like to get back to. Um I I will say this, I do see him as well as uh uh there's somebody else who was it. Uh oh, Greg Biffle. I, I see Matt Kenseth, Greg Biffle, and now Jimmy Johnson after this season is over as being the super subs uh, for the upcoming year year or two uh, for, you know, those situations where a sub is needed. Uh, I think those three guys would be great guys to to fill in for just about anybody uh, when the 2021 season and beyond happens. Uh, So uh, I don't have much more to add to it than that. Uh, I, I really don't see it as a surprise.
8: Mike? Yeah, I mean, talking about Matt Kenseth or Jimmy Johnson, then again, as a sub, remember Jeff Gordon came back and ran for the injured Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2016. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's not unheard of for basically a, you know, a past champion legendary driver to just come out of retirement to fill in for somebody. As far as Matt's performance in the 42 car, yeah, he got thrown in in a suboptimal kind of situation. But at some point, he's been the full-time driver for the team for, what, 20-something races at this point. At some point, it is Matt Kenseth's team, at least, you know, for the duration of this season. And the performance just hasn't been there. I don't blame Chip Ganassi for wanting to look somewhere else, even if it wasn't Matt Kenseth. Um, I, you know, if I was the team owner again, I'd be looking somewhere else. And that's not to take anything away from Matt Kenseth. You know, multi-time Cup Series winner. He's a Cup Series champion. A lot of people forget that as well. Um, so Matt Kenseth doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And he's not. he doesn't need to work or drive race cars in order to keep the lights on at the house. Um, so, yeah, let let the man go retire, go fish, and sit on the couch, watch the races, go race slinger cars, whatever Matt Kenseth wants to do. Um, but it sounds like that's not going to involve driving a Cup Series car full time in the 2021 season.
0: Okay, before we move on, Jay, uh, to the next round here, I just want to uh, do the feel here. We're coming up on that 10:30 mark, and uh, in case there's any new listeners out there, uh, this is the time of the show that I like to remind everybody that we do go off the air. At exactly ten thirty p.m. Eastern Time. However, we do continue recording the rest of the conversation, so you may end up hearing off-air mid-sentence. Uh, but rest assured, we are continuing the rest of that conversation, and that material is part of our bonus overtime material that's available on the podcast. Now, I go out on Twitter to let everybody know that we finished up the show and the podcast is now available. If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to that two-hour mark, uh, the point that we go off air, and you can hear the rest of the conversation on that podcast. So uh, just an FYI, uh, again, for anybody who's new on the show, uh, podcast listeners, of course, will be able to listen straight through. Uh, but uh, we, we do kind of alert uh, everybody, at this point, uh, of what's going to happen at exactly 10:30 p.m. tonight here on for Racing Radio. So, with that, Jay, uh, follow-up round, any follow-up that you have there with regard to Matt Kenseth?
1: No, it, it adds to that list of we have an answer, but more questions. Uh, we've uh, I can't even imagine how long that list is now. You know, we get a little bit of information, but it all it does is create more questions.
0: Absolutely. And, and uh, uh, you know, again, the, all it takes is one domino to fall, and some more dominoes seem to fall into play. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, Mike, any follow-up on
6: your part?
8: No, that's about it. Obviously, the big wide open here is the 42 car. Um, we all kind of assumed that the 42 car was going to be open anyway, and this just kind of reconfirms it's going to be something we're going to talk about in future episodes here. Um, and there's really not anybody to write in, at least not in dark pencil, into uh, into that 42 car at this point.
0: A lot of possibilities that nobody to firmly put into place until we hear from Chip Ganassi Racing. Okay, now I am going to bring up a topic here uh, that hasn't been brought up yet, and that's the post-race inspection uh, at Darlington Raceway. Uh, there were a couple of suspensions. We had four teams, though, that had one loose lug nut. Uh, That was the 24 of, uh, actually, four teams with loose lug nuts. The 24 of Byron with one, and the number four of Harvick with one. But there were two teams that had two loose lug nuts, which is kind of dangerous when you think about it. And that was the 18 of Kyle Bush and the 14 of Clint Boyer. In most cases where there were two lug nuts, also, the cars in the number three. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, so what happened there is that with one lug nut there, fine are fined $10,000, uh, and that goes to the crew chief. In the case of two lug nuts, there's a $20,000 fine, but then a one-race suspension of the crew chief. So Adam Stevens for Kyle Busch and John Klausmeyer for Boyer are both suspended, for Saturday night's race at Richmond. So the number three of Stillen, the number four for Harvick, and the number 18 and 88 of of Bush and Bowman will be taken back to the NASCAR R&D Center for closer observation. So your guys' thoughts about uh, a couple of uh, playoff contenders uh, having two loose lug nuts. Uh, Jay, we'll start with you on this one.
1: Well, uh, as we wrap this up, I'll use it to tie into what my hot topic is going to be. As far as the crew chief suspension, uh, we've talked about this on multiple times. In this day and age, and I'm not saying that there isn't a comfort level between crew chief and driver and the way things operate, but we have seen teams be very successful uh, winning races when they have a substitute crew chief for a race or a short uh, time period up to a four race, I believe it is what it, we've seen in the past for different violations. You, you mentioned it, the, getting to the, down to two loose lug nuts out of the five, you're, you're getting to a point of a real safety issue. So, and I just, I don't see the, the crew chief suspension as that big a penalty. So if the, the concern is getting approaching the safety issue, that maybe that does need to be a little bit more. Uh, We know that, again, one lug nut, $10,000 fines, those guys don't even blink. They go on about their business. The crew chief suspension, like I said, it puts a little bit of a hiccup in it, but we know that especially a team like Stuart Haas Racing, I believe it's Greg Zipadelli that's stepping in. Is that really hurting that team? Eh, (laughs) you know, so... Uh, you don't like to see it. Uh, again, Joe Gibbs Racing, Adam Stevens, obviously, uh, paired with Kyle Busch, uh great crew chief driver pairing, but they can get by It's not a real setback. Um, you might want to look at, I think, maybe starting to deduct points. Uh, again, I, I, I hate to see more penalties and things, but if they want it to stop, they got to have an effect for it that's going to cost them and be consequential. And I just don't think the crew chief suspension is it.
0: Okay, Mike.
8: Yeah, I'm kind of with Jay on this one. You don't hear about BJ McLeod or Cody Ware having a loose lug nut because 10 grand actually means something to those teams. Joe Gibbs Racing, Stuart Haas, Hendrick, whatever. That's the cost of doing business. It doesn't matter. They don't care. 10 grand. That, that's that's walking around money for for a team that size. Um, so I, I kind of agree with Jay. Where if you really want to penalize and deter the behavior you're going to need to take a little bit of skin out of the game for these teams. And that comes into the, in the form of points. And I also think I, it's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit that they penalize the crew chief for it. I understand the crew chief is in charge of the team. It's his ultimate responsibility as far as what happens over the wall. But we're talking about a team sport here and focusing the penalty on one individual. He's not the guy with the air gun in his hand. He's, you know, it, if we come up with a penalty that actually affects the team, i.e. deducting points, obviously you can't take away practice time this year because there is no practice time, um, a pass-through penalty at the next race, something along those lines that actually, it brings the team aspect more into it. Maybe those, uh, you know, the tire changers will be a little bit more invested in, in getting all those lug nuts tight. Not saying that the the, the, the over-the-wall guys aren't 100% invested in there, but, The priority for them right now is getting the pit stop done as fast as they possibly can, and if they leave a loose lug nut, who cares? It's a $10,000 fine that they don't even have to pay, and they got their car out there maybe a position or two faster off a pit road. So if they put a penalty in place that actually has a negative impact on the team's performance, that may be effective at changing the behavior.
0: Yeah, I I kind of agree. I think that uh, with everything that both of you have said, the only other thing that I would add there, uh, I agree that the the crew chief suspension means nothing. The twenty thousand dollars means nothing. Uh, I think I think that, uh, and I've I've often wondered this: why don't they suspend the lug nut guy, the guy doing the lug nuts? He's the one who made the mistake. So I think you bring up a good point, Jay. Uh, I mean, Mike, I think that that's the guy who should be suspended because suspending the crew chief does absolutely nothing for that team uh, as far as hurting them uh, for this next race because they're deep enough uh, that, uh, you know, somebody can step into that spot and communicate with the crew chief back at home (laughs) Uh, and still be able to effectively manage the team. I think uh, that I also agree that it needs to be points. And especially when we're talking about a playoff paper player who is contending for the championship, uh, those teams need uh, to have a bigger penalty. Uh, so uh, the, the tire guy, the guy doing those lug nuts, he should be suspended and uh, I think – and I know they probably have backup people who can step in there. But here's the thing. He has, the backup person may not have practiced to the same degree that the guy, the regular guy has. And uh, it could end up hurting them having a sub in there. Uh, but the points is what's really going to hurt the most, and especially if you're in a playoff, contending for a championship. So, again, you got to hit them where it hurts. Uh, and this is not hurting, uh, or we would not see these kind of things happen. So that's just my two cents worth. Uh, Jay.
1: Well, I think you guys are onto something there with it, it going to the uh, the crew the crewman itself that uh, has the issue. Um, you know, and the points thing is a little harsh. Again, it is we are talking about you know a lug nut. There are still three. Um, but it is a safety issue. So safety. maybe not on the points, but if you, if you replace that crewman there, you're talking about the crew that is going over. And like you said, Sharon, the, the practice time they get, yeah, they would have say a week, but I don't think they're as deep. If you take say a front tire changer or a rear tire changer, as far as they are, as far as crew chief and the capabilities that the, they work with, as far as that of communicating back home with the crew chief, So replacing that crewman, I think, would hurt them a little bit more. That's all about rhythm, about consistency. And yeah, if they're not the one practicing with that team, again, you're cutting it down to, say, a week. Um, They probably do still have some depth, but at least there you are affecting the rhythm of how they're performing on pit road, which would have an impact on the race. Uh, again, I'm not saying I'd be opposed to necessarily maybe a, a five point or even a one point, you know, per lug nut, one point per lug nut. We talk about how close the points are one or two points can make or break and make the difference. So make it one or two points. I'm not saying take 10 points away from them. that's 10 positions on the track, but at least something that is going to have a little bit more effect on them than just the crew chief who's sitting on the box.
0: Mike.
1: Yeah. I mean, we
8: can, we can throw darts at a board on this one. You know, one, one point per lug nut sounds fair. I mean, it, you really think about it in the terms of position. Yeah, one point per position. They skipped that one lug nut. Maybe they picked up that extra position on pit road. So, effectively, they're just giving that position back. That's another fair way to look at that penalty.
0: Okay. Uh I don't have much more to add, but yeah, I I like the one point per lug nut too. Uh but I think it should go along with what they're already doing. I think uh, you know, lose the crew guy and uh for a race and uh still charge the twenty thousand dollars, but uh I think you also go with the other things that we just talked about. So it's all good from my point of view. Any follow up on your part, Jay?
1: Uh, no, that'd be it there.
0: Okay, so you have the next topic.
1: Well, you mentioned that in this case, it was a couple of playoff contenders. We we know we started the weekend with the team of Ryan Blaney being penalized, and they did take a 10-point yes. hit as far as leaving it unsecure. And I was a little more concerned prior to getting all the information, but five pound of unsecured ballast. And when we talk about that, we're used to normally it being the, the weight. this was within the car. They said it, their answer, his answer was it is put in the car to simulate fuel. Uh, when it with doing the engine or something back at the shop, it got left in the car. Uh, so if it's inside the car, the cockpit area or whatever, um, not necessarily going to come out on the track, which is where I have the major concern, but That penalty was issued and accepted uh, by a playoff team. And my point here, and not just Ryan Blaney, but several other incidents that happened on track um, through the race, some of the playoff teams shooting themselves in the foot from the get-go. We talk about championship teams not making mistakes. We saw several that made mistakes throughout the weekend, starting with the team of Ryan Blaney in that penalty.
0: Okay, Mike?
1: Yeah, you want to talk about an unforced error? I, we
8: talked about it in the the chat prior to the race starting. Is was it something that they were doing and trying to work around the rules? And I'm I'm kind of with Jay. As more information became available, it does sound like it was just an honest mistake, an oversight on the part of the team. And oversights like that are not a huge deal during the regular season. But when you've only got three races to advance in the playoffs. That basically wiped out every playoff point that Ryan Blaney took into those playoffs into that first round. Um, he's going to get him back if he if he manages to advance to the next round, but that advantage that he had going into the first round immediately got wiped out. So now he's back there racing with Cole Custer, Matt DiBenedetto, uh, Austin Dillon, those guys who came into the playoffs without a whole lot of playoff points. Ryan Blaney's back down there in that mix versus a lot of people had him pretty safely into the second round already and all it took was one oversight on the part of the car chief or you know, one of the interior guys, somebody back at the shop didn't properly inventory the tools and it cost the team 10
7: points.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty big mistake. It really is. Um, and again, we've been talking all night, uh, Jay, about how a championship-winning team overcomes adversity and is able to still persevere. Uh, we'll have to wait and see now if Ryan Blaney is able to do that with his number uh, 12 team. But you're right, they, they kind of dug themselves into a hole here uh, to start off the, uh, the playoffs. And uh, they, they've got their one uh, mistake, uh, their one gaffe, are uh, coming into this round. They can't afford any more gas, uh, and now they have to be perfect, and that means everybody's going to have to be checking and double-checking themselves, and are they up to the task of uh, uh, persevering and overcoming uh, that challenge? And time's going to give us uh, the answer to that story. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Jay
1: and and that's one like like mike called it an unforced error you know i mean not just under the pressure of race performance you know you you leave the lug nut off when mm-hmm. you're you're doing that final pit stop going for the for the final laps uh you're under pressure and all this was bringing it to the track with that left in uh you know that's the kind of thing that i mean it just to me is absolutely unexcusable. again if they if they come up short by within 10 points i mean that's going to cost them that that Advancing to the next round So uh, definitely mm-hmm. could be A huge, huge impact On him
0: uh, Mike
1: Yeah I mean,
8: Like I said, a lot of people Kind of penciled Ryan Blaney into advancing And now he's, he's obviously not in a must-win Situation here, but he's definitely In a no more mistakes kind of thing And history kind of Says Blaney's got a nasty habit Of crashing from the lead at Bristol So he can't really afford to do that this time
0: no, he can't. And I will say one thing I did notice is, Ryan, you know, I, I don't know. I know it sounds like it was an honest mistake, but honestly, I did notice that Ryan Blaney struggled uh, all, all uh, race long at Darlington. It was not one of his better races. And I got to wonder if that ballast would have made a difference for him uh, at Darlington had they not found it. Um So just an observation on my part that they struggled without that ballot in there. Uh, And of course, the other question that comes to my mind is whether or not it's happened before and just wasn't caught. I don't know. Uh, Jay.
1: Well, that's a thought again. We don't know where it was laying, uh, how obvious it was as far as where that weight was put. Um, We don't have that kind of info. I don't have that kind of information, but um, I certainly, again, like you said, if it's just something that's laying, you know, and I know they've done that, uh, weighing cars when you're weighing the car to, to make sure it's the right weight, you put a sandbag in the driver's seat. So in my mind, I'm thinking it's somewhere that's relatively, you know, but again, we've seen it, uh, I'm trying to think what they put in the, uh, over the vent and, uh, when the cars are on pit road over that front air cleaner to make sure no moisture gets in there. We've seen those left in there. And like I said, I mean, to me, it's just a, at this level, you're going for a championship. We, we're talking about with, with single points matter. You're giving up 10 points. Mike said they pretty much gave what they had in their playoff bucket right back. So mm-hmm. uh, not, not a championship contending uh, type move.
0: No, it's not. Okay. Uh, so, Mike, I think that leads us back to you.
8: Yeah. Um, they kind of alluded to it a little bit during the truck series race. Kurt Bush called in. Uh, for a brief, you know, maybe two or three minutes during the uh, the Darlington Truck Series race. But today it was officially announced that Kurt Busch is going to be in the Fox Sports 1 booth for the duration of the Truck Series playoffs, providing commentary. They didn't say if he's going to be replacing anybody or just adding his voice to it, uh, but expect to hear Kurt Busch in the booth for all of the Truck Series playoff races.
0: All right. going to make you wonder, Jay. <laughs>
1: Okay. So next year, Clint Boyer's not in a car no more and Kurt Bush are in the car because they're both in the Fox booth. Uh, I think this is one where just bring a driver in and we've seen uh, a few weeks back, it was Kurt and Kyle together. And I think that, that might've been an Xfinity race does a great job in the booth. And it's always great to have that driver, especially a current relative driver, not to say some of the ones in the past that are uh, if a year or two removed, can't do a good job, but to have somebody that's out there on a regular basis, um, when it comes to the tracks and different things that are going on just adds so much. And I, I'm one that Curtis kind of like, I, I would compare him kind of to Matt Kenseth has what they, they call kind of the dry sense of humor, but I enjoyed listening to him. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's just a, uh, a move by Fox to provide a little bit more hair as we go into the playoffs, add a little bit more to, not that they necessarily need it, but through the broadcast itself, I wouldn't read anything more into it other than that.
0: Okay. Uh, and and I'm trying to think if they've already announced that it's going to be back in the with Chip Ganassi next year. Has that been announced yet?
8: Not as far as I've you seen, no. Think?
0: Okay. So if that, I guess the question does kind of come up with whether or not Kurt is considering uh, the possibility of retirement for next year, uh, which would leave that one car open. As well. So, and I know he's talked about racing in Indy, Indy car as well. So, you know, uh, agreeing with what Jay has to say, but it's just kind of adding a couple of the thoughts there. So Mike, your thoughts.
8: Yeah, I, uh, the races that I've seen Kurt Busch call, whether it was with Kyle during that Xfinity Series race or other races that he's called, I really do like Kurt Busch in the in the booth. He's got kind of the wit and the humor of Clint Boyer without being over the top, but he also has kind of the seriousness of Jeff Gordon for his insight and obviously the current knowledge that he brings to the booth. So I think he's going to be a good improvement. To be honest, Fox uh, the FS1 trunk team definitely could use some improvement on there. I was... I have not been thoroughly impressed with some of the uh some of the broadcasting they do. Uh somewhat polarizing, I tend to fall on the side of not liking Michael Waltrip. I know a lot of people do. I don't. So if if they replace Michael Waltrip with Kurt Bush, I am not going to shed a tear.
0: <laughs>
8: Jay.
1: Imagine that. Mike, or, Mike and I are on opposite sides of, of something. Yeah. Um I-, I do. I know uh, Michael Waltrip uh can be a little I don't know what the right word is, uh, goofy or whatever, but I do think that, you know, uh, NBC has Rutledge Wood. I, th- I kind of look at it the same way um, there. Sometimes some of the stuff that they do I think is a little awkward. Uh, uh, overall, I do like him. You know, his uh, – I can't think of what it was, the uh, pit walk with the, the, the speed walking down pit road. I enjoyed that. I know a lot of people, you know, thought that was a little, little – um, Again, I don't know what, what word you used, but I enjoyed that. Obnoxious? Is that what the word you used? Okay. That's I don't know that, if that's the word I've I've heard, but uh, I know there were some fans that, that don't like it, but that's one of those you, you can't please everybody, and you try and bring a mix. Um, like I said, some of the stuff Rutledge Wood does, little out there, but there are some things I do enjoy that he does, and, yeah, he's kind of in that same personality category as, as far as Michael Waltrip
0: yeah speaking of Rutledge he had quite to do this weekend on, <laughs> on the uh on the uh, coverage um that was his throwback uh response i guess but anyway uh getting back to the topic at hand uh yeah i I guess we've kind of switched the topic a little bit in this round up uh this follow up round with uh whether or not we like Michael Waltrip. He's he's not one of my favorites either. Uh, he, he, he tends to grate on my nerves a little. But at the same time, I know there are a lot of fans uh, that really like Michael Waltrip. He has a huge uh, fan following. So I don't want to take anything away from that. Uh, but I do think that Kurt Busch would be a good addition uh, to that Truck Series uh, uh, booth. And I think that he's going to bring a lot of really good insight as well because he was a great truck series uh, driver, if I recall. Uh, I remember him driving in the truck series and doing quite well. So, so I think I think he's going to be a great addition to that booth. And uh, I think it's all good. So Jay, that brings us back to you for the next
8: topic. Well, I just I want to throw one thing out there. Uh, before we move on I don't, sure. don't don't take it as me being really bad On Michael Waltrip Michael Waltrip actually was the first race car driver I ever met um, My family was big with Pennzoil Back when Michael was racing for Bahari Racing So uh, I'm not kidding when I say Michael Waltrip was the first driver I ever met Super nice guy Super great to be around My critique is merely based on His performance in the Fox Sports Racing business. So I have nothing against Michael you. Waltrip Don't take it that way
0: okay, I hear you. uh kinda not the same- exact same thing for me, but it's his booth uh experience that uh kind of gets to me sometimes as well Mike. so uh Jake,
1: well, we saw today, and uh now I have to try and pull it up um but Bubba Wallace announced yet another partnership uh seems yeah. to be a How lot of things building around what's that.
0: Outfitters
1: Outfitters, okay I knew it was in the the clothing uh, area Uh, But been a lot of things building around that We still don't have any solid answers As far as RPM But there certainly seems to be a lot of momentum Around the sponsorships they are Now bringing in And making these announcements Of what we really expect of the future As far as Bubba Wallace Whether it be with Richard Petty Motorsports Or somewhere else He's certainly become uh, What do I call it Brand, the brand to be with right now.
8: Okay, Mike. Yeah, I've seen some conflicting information on this one. Um, Urban Outfitters, they did announce a partnership with uh, Bubba Wallace today. And the conflicting information I've seen is is it an on car sponsorship or are they just participating on the charity side of it? Because they did say they're going to help him raise money for his charity foundation, but I'm not sure if that's an actual on car sponsorship with him. Is there any clarification on that?
0: Uh not for me. I I wouldn't know. Do
1: you know Jay? I from my understanding it was and whether it goes to the charity or not, but more on the personal side. But again, the more those build, they tend to leak over into the team itself. I I don't know that they have announced or said anything as far as being on a car. But And that's where I'm saying it's the Bubble Wallace brand itself that seems to be building, which would parallel with what's possibly going to happen with Richard, Richard Petty Motorsports.
0: Yeah, they, they say it announcing a new clothing collaboration with yeah. Urban Outfitters and Bubble Wallace. So it's a collaboration between the two. Uh, it does not mention Richard Petty Motorsports uh, or the number 43 car.
8: Well, there we okay, go. So, so either way, kinda of, back to me or where are we at on this one?
0: Yeah, go ahead, Mike.
8: Um, yeah, kinda of like what Jay was saying. It's it's great to see Bubba Wallace is building himself as a brand, a face, an ambassador um for the sport, but kind of transcending a little bit beyond the sport as well. It's great to see. Uh hopefully that continues to grow and Remember, Bubba Wallace is first and foremost a race car driver, at least he is right now. So hopefully he's able to transition that into either an improved opportunity at Richard Penny Motorsports or a better opportunity elsewhere.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's great that Bubba's uh, gathering all the sponsorship and and uh, this collaboration with Urban Outfitters. We'll probably see him in a lot of Urban Outfit, uh, Outfitters clothing uh and uh i think that that's a good thing so uh if a driver can can uh garner that kind of support and, and everything kudos to them uh that's all i'm going to say about it so
2: jay
1: and it's one of those things like i said i think it does bring more awareness to nascar whether it is directly of that company putting sponsorship on a car not necessarily but it's just the entire building of around a NASCAR driver. And I know, again, get, I've gotten into it with, with some fans that say, well, Bubba Wallace doesn't have the talent. He's never had the best opportunity. Look back to when he ran for Kyle Busch Motorsports. He was winning races in the trucks. When he was with Roush Fenway Racing in the Xfinity Series, he was uh, fourth, third or fourth or fifth, somewhere in there in the points, when due to sponsorship for the car, they had to withdraw that roush couldn't afford to put that car out anymore so in the right setting and opportunity we can saw we have seen that bubba wallace can perform even with richard petty motorsports we have seen as they partnered with richard childress racing the improvement of that team and the finishes he has had so i hope that this leads to something again whether it be the rebranding redesigning uh whatever happens with richard petty motorsports or with another team, if it—I know the other one that gets talked there has been confirmed—talks with um, Chip Ganassi Racing in the number 42 top-level team. Again, it might take a year or so to adjust to another new driver, but I think in the right situation, I think Bubba Wallace is a top 10, if not better, contending team or driver. So wherever he goes, I think he can be successful. And this is just a step in building that and getting that recognition of him out there as well as for NASCAR as a whole.
0: Okay, Michael.
1: Yeah,
8: I mean, I agree with Jay. Bubba really hasn't gotten the opportunity, at least at the cup level, to demonstrate his talent. Now, if he goes to a team like Chip Ganassi and doesn't perform well, that's a different discussion to have at a different point. But I don't think anyone can really argue that he hasn't gotten the most out of what that 43 car has to offer this year. Uh, He hasn't won races, obviously, but he's been cracking into the top ten here and there, especially during the race. Uh, We've seen him in the top ten more frequently, I think, than I've seen the 43 car up there in the previous few years. So whether that has to do with the increased sponsorship for the team, the talent of the driver, probably a combination. Uh, I think, I think it, Bubba Wallace at least merits consideration for an opportunity to, to show his talent in an improved, either improved 43 car or an improved ride somewhere else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. I think that, uh, uh, he He's doing the best he can With the equipment that he has And uh, you're right Mike he, he has been in the top 10 uh, Throughout the race And sometimes he's been there uh, Even at the finish of the race So uh, it's not like He's been doing a horrible job At uh, the number 43 car But uh, I, I would like to see him get another Opportunity And this announcement uh, as a collaboration with Urban Outfitters uh, does appear to be something that could follow him if he does leave the number 43 car of Richard Petty. So I do see uh, it, it being phrased in such a way uh, that could indicate that uh, uh, he, he may not be staying at, uh, at that number 43 car with Richard Petty Mortar Shorts. But That's reading a lot between the lines. It's pure speculation on my part. I'm the only thing I'm saying is that that does open the door for that possibility. Uh, Not necessarily that that's what's going to happen, or because I have no way of knowing what's going to happen with Buffalo Wallace. But uh, just saying that the door is open with this announcement. So Jay,
1: again, little little answers here and there, but uh, opening up more and more questions. Uh, I know we talked about it being the opening of the Cup Cup Series playoffs, whether or not these announcements come. And I know, I I remember thinking it last week, uh, typically throughout the year, a lot of times any kind of announcements do come on Tuesdays. Didn't see any big ones today. Have to wait and see next week uh, again. Tuesday seems to be a typical day for for announcements. So I always kind of look forward to Tuesdays to see if we got anything that we can uh, fill in these (laughs) gaps, all these little gaps we have.
0: Okay, well, certainly, uh certainly is uh, interesting anyway. Uh, so with that, I think we're at that point of the night where uh, it's time for our roundtable sign-off. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Yes,
8: yeah, Mike Orzel on Facebook, Mike underscore Orzell on Twitter. I'm going to use this opportunity to bring up a not really a hot topic, but this will be a plug. Voting did open today for the NASCAR most popular driver uh, for the Cup. Xfinity and Truck Series. You get a vote uh, for one driver in each uh, each series every single day. Your vote counts double. I'm not going to be partial here and encourage everyone to go out and vote for Matt Davinadedo, but
1: Matt is for most popular driver this year.
0: <laughs> okay, Jay.
1: Well, that that'd be on the Cup side and the Xfinity side. Uh, we already put some in tonight uh, for our guest, uh, Joe Graf Jr. So. He's in contention uh, in the running for the Xfinity Series one. And and like I said, he's a driver I've talked to at the track. I've seen him interact with fans. Uh, He's coming on the show on a regular basis, uh, once a month uh, scheduled. I know we've had to work around that. but uh, So there's one for the Xfinity Series. I'll leave the Truck Series for Sharon. And Mike, (laughs) I know it's not uh, Thursday yet, but I do have some plans for the weekend. Any idea where I might be going? Your capital city raceway. That's right. Be back at Jackson (laughs) Motor Speedway come Saturday. So appreciate that.
0: All right. Uh, Well, that uh, leads it up to me. And I am Fan for Racing psyched on Twitter. And we are Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere, including com, where we post all the recaps. Uh, for the races we've been posting uh, we posted a couple of our uh, playoff player previews uh with Matt DiBenedetto by Mike and with uh, uh Owen Stewart's uh driver Eric Almarolo so we have some more that are coming and uh, so fans can watch for that uh we put out uh, Sam Sam's uh post race recap for the Cup Series today and uh Owen started a new pass, or how does he put it, uh, cash or pass, uh, for fantasy picks and betting on the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. And he also gave his predictions for the playoffs in the Cup Series, uh, if anybody wants to check that out over at Uh So some, some good things happening there, and I can't wait for the other uh, uh, playoff previews. Uh, to be coming out from the rest of our fan for racing crew. Uh big shout out to our fan for racing crew uh and especially for Jay being here tonight to, uh, subbing for Sasa Gala and of course Mike Orzel here for our NASCAR hot topic sound off tonight. Uh Andy I know is working on a uh an article for Fan for Racing in the uh, playoff preview, and uh, we miss Andy, but we'll look forward to having him back on, hopefully on Thursday. And Thursday, by the way, we are doing a podcast. Uh, It will not be a live broadcast. It will be a podcast that we'll do on uh, Thursday afternoon and put out uh, prior to the race on Thursday night, and I believe that's the truck series that's racing on Thursday night uh, this week. And uh, we'll, we'll have our preview out uh, prior to that race. So uh, just an FYI for everybody on that front as well. And uh, a shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to hear what we have to say. And uh, we look forward to uh, putting out our podcast again on Thursday and being back on air on Monday night, next Monday, September the 14th. And uh, right now we do have a tentative cast scheduled with uh, Ben Lotz. So uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with him if that uh, comes to pass. So uh, with that, I think we'll call it a wrap and say good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.